Sony's grasp on Square slipping? EA not done with PS4 yet. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is the one, the only, Christopher Viggs. Chris, how hello. you doing, buddy? I'm all right. How are you, Brett? I'm all right. It's hot. Oh, I don't yeah. know what it's like in the in the, in the the <clears throat> cut. <laughs> so I'll start calling it in the cut. Uh, but down here in the, in the south... It has been uh, uh, over a hundred before the heat index is accounted for oh, all golly. week, uh, and really since this weekend. So it's been it's been tough. You you walk outside and kind of feel like you just took a, a shower. Mm. It's not a good feel, you know. Yeah, I don't love that. It's getting yeah. hot in there. It's getting hot in here, so I, I think the only solution is to take off all our clothes. Yeah. Uh, Nelly's from the south, and that's what he says. Right. He is. So getting I think so that hot. that works. Yeah. He is getting so hot. But, Chris, everyone could join us today as we talk about uh, the rumor mill going to hell with Oblivion. Uh, we have some, we have a community stake where we're looking at some weird mashups from PlayStation to see what you guys think about that. EA not giving up on PS4 just yet, despite seeming like the first publisher that was really going to. Uh, we have other things in store but we always start this show off in a time-honored way so if you are new to the show first and foremost welcome we hope you stick around and enjoy the show but without further ado we start off by checking in on what we've been playing so we can give each other ideas for what we might play next or give you guys our thoughts on what we've been playing and if it's worth your time so chris we have one game that we share here and I would th- say it makes most sense to save that for last. So I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, knock it out with the rest of your games. Um, I haven't been playing crazy amount. Um, I've been grinding Marvel Snap a lot. I've had my best season so far, climbing mm-hmm. up those ranks. Um, and I do, I do have an infinity ticket. If anyone plays Snap, you know what that is. So it's basically I have entrance to do five matches in a row against the top players in the game. So that's really scary, and I don't want to do it. But I have that. I, I got to that point. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Marvel Snap's been really good. I'm working on the new seasons are coming out. Um, the new meta, the meta is changing next season. Sure. Uh, your microphone just no audio. Did it just stop? Did you what? Did, what did you hear me say? You're good now. Yeah. I, I, you said the meta is changing, and then you went silent. Oh, that's weird. I must have hit a button that muted my mic on Zencaster. Marvel Snap did not want you to give its secrets away. <laughs> it said it said the meta's changing, and he's like, nope, cut him off. Shut him up. No. No um, one can know. Yeah, so uh yeah, the next season will be more destroy heavy, which I really like destroy. It's a lot of fun. Um Is that know. like a mechanic or yeah, so or stuff like like Venom is a destroy card, um Carnage is a destroy card. And like there are certain there's certain ways you build into it. Like you have the Bucky Barnes card, which if you play and then destroy, it becomes a Winter Soldier card, which has a lot more power for you. So, you know, you play that with Carnage, and that's a ten point play for two points for two energy. So it's cool. It's you know, it's 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 very uh, it's a kind of a glass cannon deck, but when it works, sure. it works really well, and I have a lot of fun with destroy. So next season, so is it like that. 
is it like Hearthstone where you gain resource, like you continuously stack your resource per turn, or do you no. start with a certain amount of resource? So it goes, so in Marvel Snap, there's one drops, two drops, three drop, four drop, five drop, six drops. Then there's one eight drop, but that's a destroy card. So like that specific card is eight twelve, but every time okay. you destroy a card, the energy goes down. So mm-hmm. in coordinates with the cards, the way it goes is turn one, you get one energy. Turn two, you get two energy that way. You know, so you have to build your plays around that. Um, and there's well, ways yeah, to manipulate that. Yeah, that's but, what, you don't, I mean. but you don't gather it. You don't like save energy. Like if you don't use energy, it, it's gone. And then you only get three the next turn. Um, Why do I feel like Hearthstone still like that? But I could be wrong. I don't know. All I know is you said, do you gather resources? And you definitely don't. So, <laughs> Well, um, what I mean to say is that as the game goes on and your turn passes, with each turn, the player gets one more resource. So like you start your first turn with one resource, second mm-hmm. turn, two resources, so on and so forth. Now there's ways for you to build resources with okay, cards then, and whatnot. Then yes, that is how it works. Yeah. I assumed resources, it was like, if you don't use all your resources this turn, you save them because, you know, that kind of thing. That's not how well, it works. I don't necessarily, these could definitely work in a game, but you know, resources are always different because like Yu Gi Oh is a game where you don't have resources, but you have cost. So mm-hmm. to activate a card, there's something you have to do for the most part. And there are some yeah. cards that do have a free cost. And then there's cards that have a cost that you have to meet, like discard a card from your hand in order for this effect mm-hmm. to happen. Um, but with the, you know, then you have things like magic where you draw into your mana and you have to lay it on the field and tap your land. And that's how you create your mana. Um, And then Hearthstone, you build it once per turn. And then there's games like Digimon, which are very weird, but I also really like the Digimon card game because you have a scale, and each player has 10 points on each side, and you start at zero, or I'm pretty sure you start at zero, and you can pop off as much as you want to up to 10, but you give your opponent that much more room. And what happens with the game is as soon as you pass zero, Mm -hmm. you pass turn without any control so you can play whatever you want you can play something that costs 10 right off the bat but your opponent starts with 10 that they can burn through before ever passing turn to you so they can mm-hmm. potentially pop off four or five cards before ever passing turn no um, um so <clears throat> resource management is always the, the interesting part that seems to yeah. differentiate most games yeah i mean again it with with snap especially it's basically just how you play you know like you can build a deck around something like mr negative who when you play him, he's a four cost card, so that goes into the RNG of your deck. But you could stack like an Iron Man, who's a five cost, zero power card, because Mr. Negative will flip those. So then, like, I've had games where I've had a zero three, a zero five, all this kind of stuff with insane effects because Mr. Negative flips them all. But then I just played a game before we started where I never drew Mr. Negative, so my deck just didn't work. So, yeah. you know, and that's kind of the give or take is learning how to play your, uh, your cards and stuff like that for sure um, but it's a lot of fun um I'm well speaking my of card season. games while it's time to pimp out what i'm doing here if you have been listening to the podcast but you're never on youtube uh you can head over to youtube if you were into Yu-Gi-Oh! as i have been as i was inspired by the re-release of the 25th anniversary original packs like Legend of Blue Eyes, Metal Raiders, and whatnot. I've been doing Yu-Gi-Oh! openings, so if you're into that, go check it out on YouTube. Subscribe. We are nearing close to 500 subscribers, which gives us some more ability to do things, so go check it out, but I won't harp on that too long. I just, you know, we're talking card games. Why not introduce (laughs) it when it makes the most sense? You popped into my YouTube shorts today. I did? Auto-generated ones, yeah. It's like, oh, look, that's Brett. (laughs) Look at that. See, we're making we're making some kind of progress. 
Absolutely. Uh, the, the YouTube shorts, I don't understand them. I will say first and foremost right here that I'm not very good with social media because I don't use it. Me and Chris were having this conversation yesterday. Mm-hmm. Our understanding of social media is based around the way in which we use it. And Chris uses it more than I do, but I wouldn't say just excessively. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use it well. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's very interesting to try that around. So I've been doing a lot of trial and error and just having fun. And to that extent, it's actually been cutting into my video game time. But I'm still in that weird funk where I don't know what to play besides... Mm-hmm multiplayer focus thing so you got one more game go ahead and knock that out and i I realized we have a second game we share this week yeah i see that now i did forget about that um no so you might want to give this a shot i've been playing a lot of uh, iudin chronicles rising which if anyone remembers i was obsessed with getting iudin chronicles on our fantasy draft that was like a big point of contention for me Uh, and so i started playing this and i really like it i don't know why um it is a fetch quest simulator like that's that is <laughs> the game and but you mean like, it with love or, or <laughs> i mean i put like t- 10 hours into it yeah it's a lot of fun sounds like love yeah yeah it's it's got really good combat you have three characters um they're really fun and you can use them all together it's different buttons so like square is one character triangle is the other character circle is the other character and then they come out and it's like Marvel versus Capcom two levels of like you're hitting and then all of a sudden like Galactus flies out of the corner. It's that same kind of thing. Um, okay. Where you like you have a tag team fighter that comes out in combo. No, it doesn't combo like, well, you can combo them. That's a mechanic, but normally you'll like, you'll hit square bunch and you'll hit triangle and the characters will just swap out. Um, but you can't keep fighting with them. Um, gotcha. but yeah, it's, it's really cool. There's, it's a prequel to hundred year heroes, which comes out, which was delayed into next year. Um, which I'm now very interested in. But yeah, it's really cool. I highly recommend it. But just to put it out there, it is a fetch quest simulator. Like one of the main mechanics is for every quest you do, you get a stamp, and those stamps help build the town. So, <laughs> and there's there's some pretty egregious examples where the I did one today, where there's a guy on this screen, and then I cross into the next screen and the, the guy I had to go see is on the next screen. So I go do a quick conversation with him and then I go back across the one screen and that's the whole quest. So it's really fun. I highly recommend it. I love it. I don't know why it's a great podcast game, no voice acting, but good music. Um, so yeah, I recommend that. Give it a shot. And it's supposed to be a very quick JRPG. Uh, well, you're surprising me because I went and looked and I don't see I Chronicles on there. I do remember Suikoden. No, I never, I never picked it. I was in the fantasy. One of my, our, the big things we talk about in the episode is how I wanted more picks so that games like that would get picked, and that's oh, one of the reasons I yeah. picked Suikoden because I was like, I want some weird shit on here, and then yeah, I don't I know you. when the hell Suikoden's coming out. I have heard nothing about it, so <laughs> that's maybe not this year at all. <laughs> I might have the, t- I might have the two best picks in the draft and lose. <laughs> it's possible. All things are possible. It really is possible. <laughs> um, so okay. what are you implying? So, t- talk to me. All right. So uh, as anyone who is in the Discord, which you can join by clicking the link in the description below, um, that's where you Good can choices. find me and Chris most likely mm-hmm. if we're going to be on social media. Unless you want to hear me yell about the Red Sox, then you can go on X and find me there. You mean the social media site formerly known as Twitter? Correct. Yes. Here's the problem I had with that. Hmm. Clearly, before you tweeted on Twitter, yeah, 
I don't. What do you call it now? Is it an X? Well, I've heard it's called a Zeet. You Xed a Zeet, right? But why not just leave it tweet? That's what I don't understand. Like I get well, it. You're rebranding it to X. You he bought. Okay, here's the thing. Elon Musk bought Twitter for the user base. He doesn't give a shit about Twitter. He's you, he bought the user base, so now he can do yeah. his banking apps and his weird anime porn stuff, whatever Elon Musk does in his free time. And that's going to be X, and that's what we're here for. But just leave it tweet. Like they changed yeah, it. Know. It's now repost. Like go fuck yourself. Tweet is in the dictionary. Just put it back. <laughs> Yeah, that seems weird. I mean, whatever it is, what it is. I've already said that my own opinion, I guess, I, and I can say it on the podcast, right? My own opinion over people's using of Twitter and how they're upset about it. I understand that they're upset for the way they want to use Twitter, but on a personal level, uh, I've always been slightly uncomfortable with how things on the internet are free. Mm in quotations because of the fact that they just use your data and sell them to people, which seems super unsavory and everyone's just okay with the invasion of privacy that comes alongside that. So in my mind, I think having it be free across the board, but having it be subsidized by people who are paying in order to get more functionality out of the system actually makes a lot of sense. I understand that other people aren't as happy with that, but that's just my personal viewpoint of, of, you know, like I love Google and everyone uses Google. I wouldn't be that upset to have to pay $10 a month for Google if it means that Google didn't constantly pull every ounce of data and my phone wouldn't listen to me whenever I'm talking to Chris. It's, <laughs> it is weird. I don't like it. It's the same reason I, I don't understand people having just like cameras galore in their house that are connected to Wi-Fi so that you can just check it at any time of the day. Because I'm like, if you can check it at any time of the day, Anyone with a little bit of knowledge can find a way to get into your system and just watch you throughout the day. And that's fucking uncomfortable. But all that aside, um, if you are on the Discord, you'll see that Chris and I had finally started Remnant 2. Uh, Picked it up, of course. uh, And $50 price tag is a steal. The first game was $40, so I shouldn't have been so surprised. But I thought this would land at $60, and they kept it at that. All right, new games are seventy, so that double A price goes to fifty instead of that forty range. Yeah, um, but great time playing it last night. Like there's mm-hmm. there's little frustrations because nothing's ever perfect. I, right. I don't want to act like it is. There was little moments where I was like, I feel like I'm getting stuck or I can't vault over something that should make sense to vault over. But I'd say ninety eight percent of what we were doing last night was fun. I had a great time. The world design's really cool. The combat design's pretty fun. I, it's interesting kind of trying to understand how our classes work together and yeah. how that can be used to overcome boss encounters and whatnot. Uh, watching Chris get stamped into the ground by a press <laughs> that probably came down at 7,000 miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you, the key part of that is that the first time we got to that area, that thing scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Yeah, both of us. Because <laughs> yeah. I was right there beside you. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> that was great. But curiosity killed the Chris because as we went back by it, he was like, fuck it. I got to know. And he just ran underneath this thing <laughs> and uh, got flattened like a pancake. Now, conversely, yeah. I dropped down an elevator shaft twice. <laughs> uh, 
and learn that fall damage does exist in this world where you can travel to other dimensions. It's so funny because that specific moment was like a, there was like a Chekhov's gun for that in our playthrough, right? Because right at, remember like early in it, I almost walked down the shaft. Oh shit. And I went around (laughs) it and you were just like, you were just like, Oh, I didn't want to fall down there. And I was like, yeah, I didn't know if if I could. Then two hours later, you just (laughs) fall down the elevator shaft and die. That's true. That is true. I'm liking the class system. I'm liking Chris is actually trying to play the handler class, which is interesting because mm-hmm. that class is actually meant to be uh, a solo class so that you can actually play this game by yourself. Because one of the downsides to the first game is that if you weren't really good at the game or you weren't really into challenging games, the game wasn't really designed for you to play it by yourself. It's very much designed as a co-op experience. Um, so, it's cool seeing this game have a solution, and it's also cool seeing that the class doesn't seem to be completely useless in a co-op setting. It still has its merits, even though I do wonder how much better you would be doing, if any, if you had chosen one of the more dedicated classes instead of something that's so balanced. Yeah, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I think the gunplay is really fun. Um, I reiterate exactly what you said, where the world design is awesome. That one world we're playing is sick. Like, just all the spires in the outside. And I don't know. I thought it was cool because that level. <laughs> they ruin everything. Um, that was really cool. That level is really cool because we were remarking how the enemies and the gameplay, it felt like we were playing Returnal. Actually, I think I said Resogun. But it felt like you we were did, playing Returnal. You did, but I knew you meant Returnal. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay. So, um, yeah, it felt like we were playing a level of Returnal. And then by the time we got to the last boss, which decimated us, uh, yeah, it felt like a Returnal boss for sure. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. It was late, though, so I didn't want to try again. It was just Mm-mm. like, I got to work tomorrow. Let me go. We were doing the boss, and I was like, I don't want to start this. And then we started and died immediately, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm super chill. <laughs> like we're, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't say I blame you. Uh, all right. Well, Chris, the second game that we have played together is we hopped on to a little PS3 gym that we call Naughty Bear. We do. And we knocked out the multiplayer trophies by doing a few rounds of multiplayer. And it was a short but very fun stint. Uh, <laughs> that game controls like ass, but that's, that's also so somehow in the charm of the game. Yeah. It, it that's the one thing that does worry me about going for platinum because I do want it. It's like a white whale platinum and I've already got sure. one of my white whale platinums this year. So that naughty bear would be a cool one, but it controls so bad that there's some levels where like you can't hit any other bears. And I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff in there. I'm like, I don't know, man. Yeah, that does seem pretty impossible, but I will say it was very fun playing hide and seek on the map. Mm-hmm. Um and then walking around and just like <laughs> getting the kill cam moments where you go and then <laughs> it brings up the chance for you to hit a button to like finish them like you can keep yeah. shooting them or hitting them or you can hit the button that allows you to like insta kill if you get them low enough and just seeing all the weird kill cam animations was incredibly fun and also very brutal in a in a very oh, yeah. fun charming way you know like when I snapped your neck with like a beef bone. It's like, good lord, yeah. man. My the bear do be naughty. Killing me. The, so da- sorry, the bear do be naughty. That's okay. Try not to let it hit the episode any. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Naughty Bear was a good time. And uh, very glad to see that that game has, uh, ho- has servers that are just peer-to-peer. Because what it means is that that game can never truly go offline. 
as long as PSN exists on PS3, you can log in, start a match, and go about your business. There are problems with peer-to-peer hosting, but I think that I like it better than the solution of just turning online for games completely off. And I really wish that part of end-of-life support for multiplayer games included that they just update the game with one final update that moves the hosting for multiplayer off of a dedicated server and rather onto a peer-to-peer just so that people who do want to play it can play with the somewhat less stable and somewhat more annoying occasionally um, hosted servers. Just because why not? Why shouldn't you be able to play this game in perpetuity? When they were designing the multiplayer, I don't necessarily know that people were like, yeah, we're designing this knowing that it has a day that it'll never be played again. Uh, That's part of that idea of video game conservation that we were talking about and how it'd be really useful to be able to keep parts of games intact. Like, yes, Chris is still right that if you're playing Naughty Bear now, you're probably not playing the same Naughty Bear when it was hot and popping and new, even though I think hot and popping was probably never a term that you would use alongside Naughty Bear. (laughs) No. (laughs) It was a niche game, but, you know. Almost definitely not. (laughs) so we have our first question though here and it's a good time to slot it in because chris and i were talking about it last night as we were playing remnant 2 so no fate one of our patrons comes in and they ask have you watched the twisted metal series yet i found it amusing and look forward to a second season so chris as the person as the resident person within the podcast who's actually finished the show i think you have the the most to say here and then i will uh follow up with what i have seen um I would actually say I don't know that I have the most to say because I'm very worried of spoiling it for anybody. But the show is really good. Um, if we talk specifically about some of the obvious characters, like I really like Sweet Tooth. Um, we like we talked about Will Arnett does not sound like Will Arnett really, and it, it the voice work is incredible for it. It's like it's genuinely scary and it, it's pretty cool. Um, I really like John Doe, which is great because I talked a lot of shit about Anthony Mackie, and I'm <laughs> glad he's I'm glad he's good in the show. Um, yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Um, I don't know that there's too many more characters introduced in that first episode, but I'm I'm just genuinely surprised at how good Twisted Metal is. I didn't expect. I'm on, I'm on record saying I thought the show was going to be garbage, and like watching it, I was like, oh wow you know, binging six episodes in a night because I didn't want to stop watching it. And even like I told you, I was like, I might start it again. It was that much fun. So yeah, which <laughs> I, is, I highly recommend at it. At the end of the day, isn't that the best recommendation you can have for a show is that you want to not only watch it again, but even right after you finished it. I mean, I think the bare minimum for what can be considered a good show is that you want to watch it again. Right. Eventually. Even though we're we're on record saying that there are shows that we understand why people never want to watch again, like someone who only watches Breaking Bad once, I completely understand. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, I won't play Journey again, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, again, I highly recommend it. It's worth watching. It does, you know, wanting to watch it again, does it does help that it's a comedy because it definitely is one of those you can put on. You know, I can play Ayudin Chronicles and do fetch quests with Twisted Metal playing, and it works for that. So. Sure. That definitely is part of it, but yeah, I highly recommend solid like eight, I think, by the end. Even as a non twisted metal fan, when like when stuff happens in that last ten minutes, I was like, Oh sh- let's go. Super cool. So I'm looking forward to it. 
looking forward to the next season anyway. I am two episodes in, uh, so I can't say too terribly much. But what I can say, <clears throat> excuse me, but what I can say is that the two episodes I've watched, the first episode immediately had me think to myself, okay, that was really surprising. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I want to see what they're doing. And then I went to the second episode. And by the end of the second episode, that feeling of curiosity and soaking the world up only got stronger. So as I won't say too much, because like Chris said, I don't want to spoil it. It is interesting being on the flip side of the conversation. Whereas with The Last of Us, I, I wasn't mentioning or commentating on it. But as I said about The Last of Us, the problem with The Last of Us is that for the most part, while there were little surprises and little changes that you can comment on, for the most part, it was the same story. So there felt like less of a reason to watch it because it, realistically, I could have hopped online and started commenting on the story. And I guarantee you most people wouldn't have been able to tell that I had never watched the show. <laughs> It's kind of just the nature. Now, don't get me wrong. There are giveaways. I know there are things. But point being is that when you have that close of a um, of an adaptation, it's a little different. Whereas I was drawn to this because at the end of the first episode, I had no clue what was going to happen. I was drawn to it before I ever started because I had no clue what was going to happen. And so for me personally, I like that pull. Instead of this being a one-to-one adaptation of a certain Twisted Metal game or even adaptations at large, kind of like what they did with Uncharted, where you kind of just take bits and pieces of all Twisted Metal and just put clear moments of each game in there that you can recognize. I like that they're taking creative liberties with some of these characters, but keeping them within how you'd expect the character like it's still carrying the character traits, even if it's twisting some other ones. Um, and I've been very impressed with that. So I will be excited to keep talking about that. We will talk about twisted metal a little bit more when we get to the question section, uh, at the end of the show. But for now, we're going to go ahead, Chris and move into the community's take. But as a gentle reminder, real quick, if you like to show what we're doing here, if you're listening on podcast services that allow you to rate and or review, consider doing so. It lets other people know if we are worth their time. And if it lets you review it, you can let us know things you do and don't like about the show, any suggestions you may have. That is how we got the suggestion for timestamps, which a lot of people have been enjoying. So if that is something that you can do, We'd appreciate you giving your time. Uh, as for the community's take, if you don't know what that is and you're new to the show, that is where at the end of every episode, we look at something we talked about throughout the episode or a question in general that we come up with that we throw out to you guys in the audience and let you, the community, give your input to either give us a new, fresh perspective, push back against us on something that we said that you may have a different point of view on or disagree with us on, uh, or just outright give us your point of view on something. So the community's take this week came from uh, a question that we got from Porkchop. So he keeps running it along and, and uh, <laughs> kind of controlling the community's take for a bit. Uh, he asked if you could bring one dormant PlayStation IP back to life, but you can only do so by incorporating it within one of the active exclusive series. What two games would you mash up? For example, Cole and Conduits come into Sp Insomniac Spider-Man. Dreamy Dreams and let us know what you would want to see. So remember... If you want to be part of these, whenever we put that out, go over to Twitter uh, or rather x.com <laughs> at me. triangle SQRG and follow us and Z at us and 
stalk us. I, I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> head over to Facebook. We have a group tra- called Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast that you can ask to be entered in. Or like we already mentioned, click down in the description to find a link to the Discord where we have a dedicated section for you to come in and answer the community's tech question. The first answer we got came from one of our patrons who went over to patreon.com slash nartech and gave as little as a dollar per month. Rude Days 93 is our first one up. They get preferred reading. So as a thank you, for helping support the show, we like to give them, but we also like to sprinkle in some answers that aren't patrons. So the first one does come from Rude Days 93. So Kratos going to fight the Egyptian gods is probably the next plan, but how about instead he fights off the invading chimeras from Resistance? Also, since the chimeras had previously lived on Earth, the story can be about how it was Kratos that sent them packing to another world mm. in the first place. Corrupted gods are the chimeras? I would like that. That would be pretty neat. If honestly, all you had it be was that the gods, uh, I mean, it could be corrupted gods from anywhere, right? That would be kind of, because, you know, you think about Horus and the uh, fact that Horus is meant to be like a a planet that goes around and comes around. um, That's like a hidden extra planet that only comes around every 3,000 or something years. Mm -hmm. Anyway, point being, Taking that inspiration and pulling it in to where they did escape off to another planet and then they come back as the Chimera, that'd be pretty cool. That would be interesting. That would that. be it would be interesting. Now we have some answers here in a little bit that I think are gonna get into the flip side of this. Uh, but the second answer we got uh, came from Jehudi MD, longtime listener, longtime patron. And he kind of missed the point where it needed to be an active um IP to bring it back into, but I'll give him a pass as it does sound interesting. So he says resistance and kill zone. So you bring resistance back into kill zone and he's kind of doing a two for one. You bring both of them back by mashing them up. He says crazy imaginative weapons, threat of the chimera while dealing with the Hellgast who themselves are being attacked by the chimera too. graphical showcase, telling little individual stories about how people are handling these threats and attacks on different worlds. So many possibilities. I like this idea because this does give you a, it's somewhat cliche, so I can understand why people may not like it, but it gives you a little bit of that. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. And it would be the time where after years and years of conflict throughout the ISA and Helgens, it would be interesting to see them have to work together to fight off <laughs> the, uh, the chimera. But what's going on, Chris? <laughs> I'm just thinking of how the thing you just pitched is just that Lord of the Rings meme. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Never thought I'd be... It's Rico standing there with the corpse <laughs> of the guy he kills for no reason. It's like, I never thought I'd be here with a Hellgast. Never I, thought I'd be standing here with Skola Vasari. <laughs> <laughs> As he's firing into the walls because his AR is, AI is garbage. <laughs> yeah, and then Skola Vasari is just somehow reanimated. Somehow Skola Vasari returned. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he'd be like, uh, never thought I'd be standing here fighting side by side with a with a Helgen. And he's like, but what about a friend? <laughs> and they shake hands. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. I'm in. I'm it. down. I'm down. This sounds like a great idea. Uh, thoughts on that, Chris? I'm into it. Yeah, I would play it. 
I I think your biggest problem is telling individual stories does not sound like something Sony does. Um, but I do I like the idea of it. I don't know how telling him. I know it sounds weird, but telling individual stories in modern gaming almost feels like live service Destiny style game where you can play against each other or with each other, and that's how they do it. New season keeps bringing new little stories of individual characters that you can go through. Yeah, that would be cool. I've always wanted to have like, uh, what's it called? Like the grindhouse kind of thing. Like, I think I've mentioned it before. This would be the perfect to do like little vignettes and have them directed by different people. You know, the Hideo Kojima resistance kill zone crossover and the, the Neil Druckmann one. And, you know, oh, get me like a uh, Ken Levine. <laughs> there's always a chimera and there's always a girl. <laughs> that would actually be cool. Like Booker goes through a lighthouse and it's like, oh, fuck it. It's just chimeras just all over him. And well, actually, I imagine that the chimera, like, because you know how they were originally on Earth and they start pulling their 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 remnants back up from the core of the earth mm. uh, and you could have one of them be this like very big spire looking thing with like a sauron looking eye on the top of it going yeah. back to the lord of the rings and then you have booker come in and he's like there's always a lighthouse and it's like <laughs> that's that's the the lighthouse for this world like ding yeah i would i would be into that give me like yeah. a a grindhouse video game but not about grindhouse just different people doing different parts I actually do like that idea. I think having a game where you let that be the thing, because I think the interesting part of it is that you have the through point of the game, which kind of dictates that it all has to be similar enough to work within a a game a framework of a game yeah but they can be different within how they choose to do it it's almost like black mirror it's like everyone's mm. gonna have a bunch of different episodes yeah or uh, love death them, and robots yeah i guess you could do that i don't too. even want them to be cohesive give me like a hideo kojima walking simulator which he's perfected that genre and then give me like i don't know a fucking jason west first person shooter time and then give me a larian studio crpg in the middle of the game 10 out of 10 I got you. Well, on the flip side, we had two listeners, one patron. Uh, Velvet Thunder is our patron who came in and said, I wouldn't really want to mash up franchises. It was kind of exciting when it happened in the 90s, but now it's just old news. And then mirroring that sentiment, we have Sweet Grinch with Mo Jones, longtime listener and friend of the show, says, I wouldn't. I hate multiverse stuff. I think it's all pretty lazy. It's like what you do when you run out of ideas or need to sell more skins without having to make a new game. Not into it. And to all that, I say, I get it. I don't agree across the board, but I get it. The problem right now with media and games just happen to be media is that media across the board is leaning very heavily into multiverse stuff. So it's very quick and easy to become jaded to it, to hear it and go, that doesn't sound original, and then go, I'm going to write that off. The reality of it is some of the best things, hey, there's a dogger. He's a pupper. Look at him. He ran away. Maybe he'll be quiet. (laughs) Maybe he'll be quiet now. We'll see. Uh, But the reality of that situation is that while I understand the outside looking in, it's very easy to see that. And then even inside looking in, that may still be true. I do think that there are examples of people using multiverse to tell interesting stories right now. And you just have to go with all things 
there has to be that balance of looking at the things that excel at it while going, there are things that are going to keep trying this and not do it as well. It's just the nature of the beast. You know, Max Payne came out and did bullet time and we've seen plenty of other games do bullet time. Are all of those games great just because bullet time is in them? Absolutely not. Are some of them still great? Yes, it's fear and fear too, and they're it's not bullet time, but are those great examples of that type of mechanic? Absolutely. Hell so it doesn't yeah. matter how many bad ones there are. Because so, I think right now, if you look, you have a really good example in um, in you know the across the Spider Verse and into the Spider Verse, in that the whole point of them is looking at the Spider Verse or looking at the multiverse and then telling an interesting story within it where you go, well, the multiverse is supposed to be about seeing the same things happen in slightly different ways. And they're choosing to tell that story is, okay, the fulcrum of this is that this character is not abiding by that rule and therefore in and of itself is making an original creation within the Mm -hmm. idea and framework of a multiverse. So it's all about how you use it. But I understand the frustration with it. I would rather have multiverse stuff and get cool shit and be a little like, oh, the idea is kind of lame, but there's three Spider-Men on my screen. You know what I mean? Like, I would, I I would think, rather have that. <laughs> I don't think it's that people think that the idea is lame so much as they think it's been overused recently. And I, I guess it's just one of those things where gaming isn't really doing it yet. Like, you know, we're not having that unless you look at Fortnite, but uh, Fortnite's not doing it in any real way. It's just, hey, you can play as a Goku skin. It's just a billboard. Fortnite's just a billboard. Exactly. Fortnite is essentially like Yu-Gi-Oh! is to what its card game is. It may call itself a show, but at the end of the day, it's a commercial. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what it is, and we're okay with it because it's still a good commercial. It's just that's that's its goal. It's to sell you. Clears. (laughs) <laughs> so with that in mind uh, I understand where we're coming though there but Chris unless you have anything else you want to add into this I think we're going to go ahead and scooch into the news what do you think let's hit the news let's hit the news uh, but before we do hit the news if you're watching this on YouTube hit the subscribe button hit that notification bell to get notified every week or go ahead and hit that like button if you are subscribed or if you're not tickle it you know play around with it mm-hmm. you know play and then just gently but subtly click it you know it likes it it's yeah exactly um you only get one chance to make a good first impression it's true it's true i have a little housekeeping if that's okay go ahead um we are now into august and our monthly game for the august uh trophy competition is sea of stars which I think had the most decisive victory of any of the games we've we've done, uh, where it's eleven to two. So, Sea of Stars free on PlayStation Plus, free on Game Pass, but that doesn't count. So, get get to it. Get nobody's to it, finished. You know I mean? Nobody's finished. Alan Wake. Alan Wake points are still up for grabs. Alan Wake. Yeah, Alan Wake was July's game. Remastered. Oh. oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yep. It was one of those ones where I'd already played it, so I wasn't, <laughs> and recently, so I wasn't going to do it again. I'd completely forgotten. Yeah. I always hate when the game that's selected is one I've already beaten and got the platinum in because I'm mm-hmm. like, damn it. <laughs> I'm waiting for one where it's like, oh, I have all but like two of those trophies. Let me just go back. Like when near the extra thousand is not worth it, you know? Because it's like, then you're just getting a normal platinum's worth of points anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
There, there are there have been enough jumping tacos where maybe the bonus should have been like five thousand, but that's okay. Eh, you know, it is what it is. We live, we learn, and we can uh, we can live, adjust. Laugh, love. Next, <laughs> next year. Next year. But all right, Chris, moving into the news, then our first piece of news, OG PlayStation fans will remember the rhythm game Patapon and its sequels on the PS3, PSP, and Vita. Uh, we're all PSP, but I mean... They were on everything. So. Yeah. Well, a spiritual successor, Rattan, or Rattan, Patapon, who knows, Patapon, Rattan, I don't know how to pronounce it, was announced as a crowdfunded title from a studio founded by the creator and composer of the original games. Recently, uh, the game hit its funding goal in less than an hour. They haven't announced anything about the release date window, but fans of the series can be excited, and I guess fans of the Patapon series, can be excited that the spirit of those games is returning in a new title. Um, I was never a Patapon uh, fiend or lover. I played it. I thought it was cute and a cool idea. Of the games that PSP is remembered for that were very odd and used them in interesting ways, I was more of a Loco Roco fan. Mm. I think Loco Roco is a very good time. If I was playing a, a rhythm game, it was Luminous. Which, I've never played that. I, I know that whenever it was one of the earlier games on Vita, my <laughs> buddy Blaze played it. And I think if I remember correctly, he was saying it was like a rhythm-based Tetris game, basically. Yeah. Yep. It's fire. But now we've got Tetris effects, so it can go away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there you are. Uh, now, this is still cool, though. I do think it's interesting that Sony has worked on bringing these games forward in some capacity with the uh, the PS4 releases of them using PS4's PSP emulator that can reconstructed at 4k and whatnot which is cool and i was really glad to see that uh but also seeing a new game is an interesting idea because as we've talked about a lot and we would love to see sony bring back some of its underutilized uh, or completely untouched ip in many many years with a ps plus idea we're not seeing that yet so if the creators want to go reach out and find a way to do it people have been burned from kickstarter games Mm-hmm. But people have also not been burned from Kickstarter games. So it's it's a risk. But at this point, with some of the games that are coming out from publishers that you pay $70 for off the shelf, it's it's still a risk. <laughs> it's never not a risk at this point. It's never not a risk, which is maybe the better way to live. Even if games were doing good, if you just keep that keen eye and go, I know I'm always taking a risk, you help set your expectations a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Do you know there's a VR skateboarding game coming out? I'm sorry it looks to, to tangent, awesome. but but it did get delayed, but it does still look awesome. I am very curious to see how it actually plays. Mm-hmm. Also, Chris, Brett, August it comes out this month. You have got to join me for Phasmophobia. A hundred percent. Well, that game was really scary, and I wasn't playing it in VR, so I don't know. Come on, man. I mean, we'll obviously play it because I love Phasmo, but it was very scary. Oh my god! We I remember go. we right. played that game, and I would, I would just be like, at a certain point, I got to a point where I'm like, I'm just staying in the fucking truck. Fuck you guys. I'm not going back in there. <laughs> <laughs> you could be the guy who stays in the truck and just watches the cameras whenever we yeah. set the cameras up. That's definitely what I'll do. Like, <laughs> y'all about to die, <laughs> right? I'm telling you, who was playing that with us, Sean? No, it was Ben. That's right, it was Ben. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, look, Chris, we can make it happen. Uh, I've got friends who play it on PC right now, so we can still make it work while we're playing in VR, uh, which you can play on VR on PC, but I'm excited to do it with a better than Oculus setup <laughs> on PS4 or PS5, rather. Yeah, um, I'm into it. There's some other big games, though. I think Firewall, didn't it get announced that uh, Firewall Ultra is also coming out uh, August 24th. So that's coming right around the corner. It's a big month for VR. We have a game coming out pretty much once a week since the systems come out, which is pretty good in all honesty. That's not a bad cadence at all. Yeah, it's a lot better than what the PSVR 1 saw in the long run. Now, of course, it's early days. This cadence may not keep, but you hope it does. I would pray. You would pray. Uh, well, speaking of praying, we can pray that EA don't make a bad decision as they have announced that smash hit Jedi Survivor will be gracing last generation consoles sometime next year. Jedi has already sold millions of copies on current generation machines, and EA seems interested in double dipping. Hopefully, the PS4 and Xbox versions manage to launch working as ps5 and series x users beta tested the game for over two years before this demaster releases chris wrote some uh, pretty biting and scathing language into that <laughs> news piece but as someone who really had to suffer through the technical problems of jedi survivor um while i'm in no way shape or form saying that this game cannot run on playstation 4 or xbox one uh your performance on the systems that are supposed to be what it was designed for doesn't leave a lot of faith. (laughs) Right. Uh, Some people pointed to Hogwarts legacy as a reason that they may have done this, that Hogwarts legacy sold well on PS4 and came back around uh, or sold, you know, of course it sold well on PS5 and uh, next gen consoles and then came back around did PS4 and then once again, switch but I think the difference here is that Hogwarts Legacy was always being developed and designed for PS4, then just grew a bit, and they decided to release the PS5 version that had more power to run the game more smoothly, and then they just worked the game that they were already working on into a PS4, Xbox One version, and then once again, Switch. The problem is that when they announced Jedi Survivor, they said the game was being designed exclusively with next-gen consoles in mind. So my question is, at what point is this the same question that people had with Ratchet's SSD conversation where you go, can the game really not work on old tech? Or were you just trying to market it and sound like it was cooler and better to get people hyped up on the game? The state of the game doesn't... (laughs) I feel like if they're trying to get the same game I just played running on PS4, um, good luck. Though... I was playing in 60 frames per second. The 30 frames per second version was apparently more stable. And this would clearly be 30 frames per second on PS4. Chris, you got any thoughts here? I think all my thoughts were in the news article, really. (laughs) I didn't play it. Um, I'm not particularly interested in playing it. It would have been one where if you'd sent me your copy, I would have played it. But I'm not buying it. And we did talk about that. But you yeah. didn't seem just excited to get it. No, and I, was I had really, a chance to make thirty dollars, nah. which is what I spent on the game. By the yeah, way, exactly. I played that game for free, so at the end <laughs> of the day, I guess I shouldn't be that hard on it. But right, yeah, you asked me, and I was like, "Sure, fucking feel free to send it." But yeah, I didn't. wasn't too hyped on it. So uh, I, I hope this is good. I hope people like it. I just, I wonder is. 2024 seems like such a weird time to put out a PS4 game. Like, 
they're almost they're basically always in stock now, right? So like, what do you? What's the barrier other than five hundred dollars? You know, that's a pretty big barrier. I'm not saying it's not, but again, in reality, the PS4 is the new PS2. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, if you may recall, one of the last games that come out on PS2 was like FIFA 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that, that may that be I slightly guess. off, but it was it was like ten years, if not more, after the console came out. Uh, actually, well over ten years. And so, my point being here is, when you have the PS4 be the second console that's gotten that close to the PS2 sales, I guess the Switch may have surpassed it at this point. But still, that's such a big legacy console that still has more power than the Switch in many ways and can do bigger things than what the Switch can do in many ways, uh, with a lot less optimization that what you're essentially saying is 120 million people potentially, you know, who don't have a PlayStation 5, even if you just cut that number by 40 million, right? You say there's 40 million PS5s. Let's cut that number. You have 80 million possible customers who could play this game and buy this game and make us more money. Yeah. At a $60 price tag. And you get to charge $60 for it at a point when the game on PS5 is probably selling on discount for 20 30 uh, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. a way to double dip with your MSRP as well. Unless yeah. this game comes out and out of the gate, it's $40 on next gen, which I don't think it will be. I would be shocked. Probably on previous gen. If know? anything, I could see them holding the PS5 version out of sales for a while, but that's it. Um, I just think it's... The weird thing about the PS2 era, and if you remember, that was also when handhelds were still reigning pretty supreme, a game like Star Wars The Force Unleashed is a great example. The game came out on PSP, DS, PS2, Wii, PlayStation 3, uh, Xbox 360, uh, and the handheld versions were their own version of the game. Actually, the DS version was its own version of the game. PSP version, own version of the game. They all shared the same basic story, but all their design and mechanics were changed and redesigned and thought of based off what core console they were hitting right uh and so the psp like i remember the boss fights because i played the psp one first the boss fights on psp are way different than the boss fights in the ps3 version and the ps2 version again pretty different the wii version is uh, more or less the same as the ps2 but the difference there is that you knew you wanted to support an old console out of the gate so you designed a specific version that played to that console's strengths this is a little weird, taking a game and trying to scale it back down for that level of hardware. Uh, I'll be curious to see how this does, but I also hope this doesn't mean that we're going to see a slow of support for next-gen um, patching. And it probably would have been a better idea to announce this after you have the next-gen version working pretty much flawlessly. I don't know why you need to get it out of the door now, news-wise, but you're muted, Chris. It seems like kind of... Uh shitting on your current audience who supported the game. Like I said, you beta tested this game and now they're going to sell not even a better version to PS4 and Xbox, so it's weird. But good for them, I guess. Eh, we'll see. 
But on the flip side, as opposed to bringing a new game backwards to another console, rumors are abound that Virtuous, uh, Virtuoso, whatever the name of the developer is, of the vaguely announced Metal Gear Solid 3 remake is developing a remake of The Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion using Unreal Engine 5 and aiming for a 2024-2025 release window. As Oblivion is an example of a legacy title in its existing form, I thought it was worth bringing up in this show, even though we are a PlayStation podcast. We always say we talk about gaming as a whole just through the lens of PlayStation fans. But I think the interesting question here, will a remake qualify for Microsoft's promise to release legacy titles on PlayStation for this game to come to PlayStation? Or will this remake put it into status of a new game that will see it be yet another exclusive that Microsoft has been able to eke out from this Bethesda acquisition? Um, And I don't know how I feel. My gut tells me to expect this to be an exclusive uh, Mm -hmm. on the console side. Of course, it'll be on PC. But the other... the, the overarching thing we should do to preface this is this is a rumor take it with a grain of salt but within the rumor the interesting question of if this were to happen how would sony get treated within this it's kind of like when chris and i have talked about if they remade fallout 3 right now what would happen would it come to playstation by means of being a game that was originally released on that or because it's a new skew and a new game would it be exclusive? What do you think, Chris? Do you have any thoughts of how this will end up going? <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest thing for me is I didn't put it in the news because to me it was a it was never coming to PlayStation, so I didn't know I didn't think we needed to talk about it, you know what I mean? Sure. Um because I don't think I think if you paid attention to the FCTC trial, they told you that it's not coming to PlayStation. Like that was just a lie, <laughs> the legacy thing, and that's fine. Like they're allowed to say what they need to say. Phil Spencer literally said, "I wish we we just can't say that all the games are, are exclusive. Like we can't say it." So legacy was a really cute way of being like, "Yeah, all those the PS4 games that are already out, they'll stay out, but we're not putting anything new on there, and this is a new game." Well. I'm looking because am I mistaken in the fact that, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, Skyrim Anniversary Edition came out on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 uh, six months or more after Microsoft completed the acquisition of um, but Bethesda and it was before we even knew it was coming. So they could have at that point pulled it, but this was an example of as far as they were concerned of taking a legacy title and continuing to support it on older consoles. And we've seen PlayStation still get access to a ton of Bethesda games on its PS plus service. So I don't know that it's cut and dry to say that it absolutely won't, but I do get what you mean when you think about the FTC thing and the way that they talked about how they wanted to look at Starfield and its value as a new game instead of a legacy title. Um, And not to say you're wrong, but I do think it raises an interesting question of in this world where this actually is happening, and I have... I don't know. To be fair, the game would probably be a lot better in Unreal 5, though it may lose some of its charm. I do love Oblivion, and 
part of me wonders like is this going to be a game that's trying to be oblivion but plays like skyrim because i don't think that's what i want i want a game that plays like oblivion with a little bit of modernization but looks a lot better and runs better but then you still have to have you know a persistent world where you move a cheese wheel and it sticks around (laughs) where you moved it to um and i don't know if unreal engine 5 is um good at that now of course you can write custom code to make it good at that but it's just a curiosity across the board um yeah i don't know i just i guess my problem with the argument about skyrim is that's not a new game like it's a new skew but it's not a new game it's a mod remaster so in this point do you think well i I say that do you think an oblivion (laughs) remaster would hit playstation 4 playstation f a remaster yeah i could see the argument but probably not okay well that's yeah that's fine i mean it's just uh where do you personally draw the line it looks like you just draw the line at I draw. I don't the, think I, that any of I, them are going to come. I I just I draw the line at the emails saying that all Bethesda games are exclusive. They just can't say it. <laughs> That's where my line is. Is they they said that all the games are exclusive, and they yeah. just used the legacy thing to obfuscate the fact that all the games are exclusive because they didn't want the bad PR. So I see. Like I I don't know. I'm just I'm just not holding out hope anymore. I hope is I hope this comes out. I hope that. Fallout 3 Remastered and New Vegas Remastered come out, but they're not going to. Like, I think we just need to, it, you know, expect disappointment, right? The oh, famous quote fair. from Spider-Man. It, 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 that's the thing. Just expect it's not coming because it's a Bethesda game. Bethesda is an Xbox publisher. They're not coming to PlayStation. Elder Scrolls 6 is not coming. Fallout 5 is not coming. Nothing is coming. I'm going to stop saying coming, but <laughs> but there will be no more Bethesda games on PS5 unless there is a profitable reason to do it, right? I don't understand why you wouldn't put Starfield there, but because A, I think it's a great argument for Game Pass. Hey, feel free to play your $70 PS5 game or play it for free with Game Pass, like the commercial is right itself. It's a Starfield commercial, and then half the screen is a PlayStation logo that says seventy dollars, and half the screen is an Xbox logo that says "free with Game Pass." And then under that, it says fifteen dollars a month. Cancel anytime. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's the perfect advertisement, but they're not doing that. And then on top of the advertisement, they themselves projected Starfield would sell ten million copies on PlayStation, and they said no. You know, just some quick math. That's about. $700 million that they're like, no, nah, we'd rather have it on yeah. Game Pass. So there's no way they would, they're not, they're just, it's just, I think it's, just, we just have to come to the reality that it's just not happening unless Xbox yeah. gets out of the console game. Yeah. And then at that well, point, think, maybe. I think your argument's fair because I think I, I looked at it too in early days when we were unsure of how exclusivity were going to work because it was more obfuscated and uh, we didn't have a bunch of court cases to try and bring something to our to our case so you know my thought process at that time too as i've stated uh, on the show around that time was yeah it makes sense to do the game pass thing and say hey play the game for ten dollars a month or i guess now like a twelve dollars a month whatever it is um but yeah play the game for essentially a seventh of the cost a month right. or exactly. go buy it on PlayStation for 70. Yeah. PlayStation will make their $21 off the sale, but then we make $49 off the sale, which is more than we would have made if you played it on 
Game Pass anyway, so we're winning either way. Right. That's why I don't understand why they didn't just leave it the way it was, but whatever. Yeah, and I think for me it was because I thought, yeah, do it with the games that are already clearly everyone thinks they're coming to both. And mm-hmm. then every, anything that's new that's announced, let it be for sure exclusive. Because yeah. in my mind, I was like, yeah, let these games that you've already announced and that clearly had PlayStation 5 versions <clears> in <throat> mind uh, come out to both because in my thought process – the gaming, you know, uh, community already knows about it. They already think it's coming to PlayStation, and you can just use this as a as a way to remake a big chunk of the investment you just spent getting this company into your acquisition. Uh, but clearly, they saw value outside of that and said, "No, no, no, we bought it." And even though this would be a way to quickly make a lot of it back, we're just going to go ahead and and look at more of what it does for growing our potential user base. Yeah, exactly. So I just. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not a businessman, uh, and You're I don't claim to be. Man. So, yeah, <laughs> it's none of my business, man. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so moving on to the next piece of news, Twitch streamer Dr. Dre composing beat Elden Ring. <laughs> Dr. Dre composing beat. Do you think that don't you think that's an interesting <laughs> choice of word? I mean, I know it's correct, but anyway, Dr. Drake composing beat Elden Ring without taking a single hit. While an impressive feat in and of itself, he is not alone in that. Though I would it would have to be believed he is the first person in the world to do that while using a saxophone as a controller. His doot doot run of the game took him two and a half hours. He is now forever known as the Sonny Rollins of the Lands Between. Chris clearly thought this was very important to put in the news. Uh, And while it may not be uh, informative in the way that you usually would say, I would say that knowing deep down in your soul that you may have not been able to beat Elden Ring at all and someone's beat it with a saxophone (laughs) is probably very useful or it's at least interesting information. Made me laugh. I put it in the news. It's slow news week. (laughs) Well, in other news of a slow news week, there was a Street Fighter 6 uh, tournament that got cut short because the host, if I'm not mistaken, but at least one of the players within the tournament uh, uh, forgot to turn off their nude Chun Li mod. Uh, so in the middle of the fight, they load in <laughs> and Chun Li's just ass and titties out on the screen uh, for about 20 seconds before they realize and go, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> like you hear the commentators being like, "Oh, that was an interesting." You see, like the screen come over and it's like that was an interesting costume choice for Chun Li. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really good. I like that. Yeah. So there you have it. (laughs) In a slow news week, the universe delivers. It does. It it delivers. Um, Also, congratulations to you, man. Uh, You know, it's kind of like the guy who beat uh, Dark Souls 3 using a Dance Dance Revolution pad. Mm -hmm. It's fucking incredible. Bloodborne bongo drums or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah, it was a Donkey Kong uh, Wii drums. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's, I find this stuff so interesting because there's so many levels to getting this working that are already impressive. And then you take the series that is known for being incredibly difficult and then do it with bongo drums. Like just, just getting them going. Didn't someone beat, yes, okay. That's what I thought. Someone beat this game using bananas yep. with one of those things where you hook them up and whenever you touch the banana, it completes the circuit and it tells the game that you're wanting to do something. So he's just running around and he's 
like playing the be- the banana almost like a keyboard or like some bongos or you know whatever like those little hand drums it's incredible it's one I of mean, the most interesting things i've ever seen the the one that makes me the most impressed and kind of terrified for our species did you see that there was a goldfish that beat melania <laughs> no yeah a guy i'll send you the link to the article but a guy's goldfish beat uh melania Wow. Which again means the goldfish got all the way to Melania <laughs> on top of everything else. Huh. And don't they say goldfish have like short memory problems? Like mm-hmm. short term memory? Oh, yeah. He Either that's how to something play that it, TV though. has just really played up or it's not true to begin with. It's just a, <laughs> an old wives' tale. Yeah, it's just crazy that it, that, that happened. I, I have to read shit. this. I don't know. This this almost sounds like a hard drive.net article. No, it's <laughs> on GamesRadar where I'm looking at it. All right. Well, moving along into the next piece of news here, and this is more alongside the news that we usually do. Square Enix has announced a new piece of DLC for Final Fantasy XIV entitled Dawn Trail. It is described as a beach vacation. They announced a new hub world amongst other improvements to the title, including graphical improvements that are going to bring the game up more to next-gen standards, which is good to see. They announced, um, or rather in taking a cue from Mortal Kombat 1, Xbox head Phil Spencer made a cameo with a K (laughs) appearance to announce a partnership with Square Enix led by the release of Final Fantasy XIV on the Xbox console. While a win for Microsoft, the wait needn't have been so long as Square did want to bring the game to Xbox consoles but demanded full cross-play with PC and PS5 uh, or PS in general, something Microsoft, the top dog in the industry in that era, vetoed. So this is long, long ago um, Mm -hmm. when they created the Rings of Power and distributed them amongst Nintendo and Xbox (laughs) and PlayStation. (laughs) Um, there's going to be a the lot of Lord of the to Rings them references. All. <laughs> <laughs> and one to brick them. <laughs> and one towel to start it up again. <laughs> Dude, the towel trick is one of the most insane. I, I understand how it works. I but don't. at the time, whenever I was a little newer to working on computers, because I'd only learned it by taking apart old Windows 95 and 97 towers, when someone was like, yeah, just wrap a towel around it, plugged in, and then turn the system on, and the heat will just remelt. I was like, what? And then we did it and got another like three months out of the Xbox and then mm-hmm. did it again and got like another two months out. I was like, this is incredible. It eventually stopped working, but it was still yeah. incredible. For some reason, I remember a wives' tale about having to put your Xbox in the oven. I don't know if that's true or if I just made that up in my head, but I swear that in my head this whole time, the towel trick has been wrapping your Xbox and putting it in the oven at 350 for 45 minutes. (laughs) The way it worked for us was just to turn the Xbox on so that it's creating heat from Mm. the fans and the processor. But since you wrap it in a towel, that heat has nowhere to go. So it stays inside the console and slowly starts to heat the solder up and or reheat it's not really the solder i guess but it it melts the connection for uh the heat sink and then reconnects it correctly that's kind of how it worked because it was a problem of the heat sink falling out and you know messing up so interesting idea but now you know now you don't even have a heat sink in xbox 
They just have liquid <laughs> cooling or technically vapor cooling. Um, they call it liquid cooling. <laughs> Vape niche, bro. Uh, and then you have PlayStation 5 with one of the biggest heat sinks I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if, if you watched <laughs> yeah. that uh, video of him taking it apart. Impressive. Oh. Very impressive. Yeah. But, whew. A little overcompensating, so, but that's okay. This is interesting because I always thought it was weird because I don't know if you recall, um, it was not on PS3 and it never did make it to PS3, but Final Fantasy XI Online was a PS2 PC game that had crossplay. And then you also had eventually a 360 version of the game that never really did very well, but it did exist and it crossplayed with PS2 and PC. Really? And then 14 comes out kind of gets eh, and then it comes out again as a realm reborn reborn and they want to make it cross-platform as it's hitting all the consoles and microsoft again says no and that's the beginning of the xbox one generation more or less um yeah so it is interesting to see that we weren't very many years from microsoft being like yeah fuck it crossplay. <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing is not working let's switch it up uh, and you know Typically, whoever's in the, the top place doesn't want to do cross-play, as we've seen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but it's, the, it's the happening cat, now. The cat's out of Schrodinger's bag now, so I don't think he can go back in. Exactly. The cat came back very next day. <laughs> <laughs> Great song. Um, yeah, I don't know. So this is potentially... This is off the back of hearing some rumors that were hard to tell if they were true, but the fact that Square has been missing a lot of Xbox, a lot of their titles on Xbox lately, um, it is interesting to see uh, that this is what's happening. So it feels like this could be a harbinger for Xbox starting to see more of uh, you know cross promotion with games that were originally only hitting Xbox, or rather PlayStation and Nintendo coming to Xbox. Um, but I don't necessarily know how much of a harbinger that th- this is of getting like Final Fantasy VII Remake on Xbox and whether that's a product of Square or if that's a product of PlayStation and some contractual agreement. It's hard to say, but it's a step in the right direction for P- Xbox fans who have been wanting to see these games come over to their side of the aisle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I... I guess in my in my mind, I still don't read the comments as like a harbinger of things to come. You know, like I don't think you're getting Final Fantasy 16 on Xbox. You know, well, there's contractual agreements, yeah, that comes within that. I think the bigger question is whether the next non-exclusive, like you know, not a day, not PlayStation coming out and being like, yeah, this will be PlayStation exclusive. The next time they show a game off, if it doesn't say Xbox again, then I think you have a question of. What's going on? Yeah. I don't know, because I just thought it was very telling that they're like, yeah, we'll work with you when we can. That's basically exactly what they said. And that I'm sure that means, like, yeah, Sony does do a lot of pay-for-play, but, you know, this isn't an announcement of, like, the Pixel remasters. This is Final Fantasy fourteen, a game that yeah. they've wanted to have on the console. So until there's more coming, I'll just continue looking at what they've been doing, which is Nintendo and Sony. <laughs> Yeah, and and my and uh, fourteen being a subscription based game, you Money. really want that on as many platforms as you can. It's kind of like how Sony is, from all we can tell, seemingly doing day and date for any of their uh, their uh, games as a service, service games yeah. on PS, yeah, on PC and PS Five. Uh, we'll see if that actually 
plays out, but that's definitely what it looks like is going to happen. And that it, that is smart. If you want to keep a player base alive, the more places people can play, the longer a game will have a higher chance of actually succeeding, finding and carving out a niche in the live service, very crowded live service market. And uh, it's just the it's around. the Call of Duty argument, right? Why would you take it off PlayStation where that's where a lot of money's made? It's the same thing with this. But why would you take Starfield off PlayStation where a lot of money could be made? Um, again, we clearly don't understand everything. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, no sources here. <laughs> no sources. Uh, we have a question that comes from this. So uh, I think we may have already kind of answered it, but just in case anything else comes to mind, Chris, Robert Phillips asks, thoughts on the news of Xbox and Square Enix teaming up for Final Fantasy games stuck on PlayStation? And I think to Chris's point, I don't think anything said is exactly, hey, all the games that we've been putting on PlayStation that you haven't played, they're coming. And this is just the first of many. But it is still at least a sign that something is happening behind the scenes that could be a harbinger for that. This could be a harbinger or it could be a one-off. It's very hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah, I just fundamentally disagree with the question. First off, no offense, but I just don't think that's what's happening here. And I don't even know if it's a harbinger. Like, again, we have to see the next game because this has always been something they wanted to do and were vetoed by Microsoft to do crossplay. So now, now Phil Spencer has opened the gates and they're allowed to do it and it's coming. And I'm sure there was well, work behind the scenes to get it now that, you know, 10 years on from release. But I don't, this is not, again, it doesn't tell me, oh, they're getting Final Fantasy 16 in two years. Like that, who knows? But I don't think this is a harbinger of that. But Chris, devil's advocate. Sure. Because we are five plus years into Xbox being crossplay, right? Mm -hmm. The first time that we heard about crossplay, and it was a big deal when PlayStation was denying it was around 2018, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, So points toward it potentially being a harbinger even if this is something square enix has always wanted to do why now why not as soon as microsoft said yeah we want to do crossplay, we want all of our games to support it and do you not think microsoft went to square and like hey we want to get 14 now that we're doing crossplay, let's revisit that conversation let's get 14 on our system so mm-hmm. we have a big mmo from japan on our system which they already have because xbox exclusively had uh for at least a period it's coming to playstation or is it already out um what is the name of that title fantasy star online mm. two um yep. point being why then now if you don't think that this is a harbinger and you don't think that this is something because of a concerted effort on Microsoft's part to work on getting them? Um, I guess I'll answer it pr- pretty succinctly with uh, the team behind Final Fantasy fourteen has been pretty busy doing something else that just came out recently. So I don't know that they had time between updating Final Fantasy 14 and making Final Fantasy 16 to create a new Xbox game. I think it's interesting. It's interestingly timed that 16's out, Crossplay is allowed, and now it's coming. They have the time to work on it. They're making a new DLC. They have to develop a new version of the game. So it's, that's clearly going to take some time, and I don't see how they can do two gigantic games and then also make this 
and let's be honest, a game that's probably not going to do a, a gangbusters on Xbox. So, you know, at a certain point, it was just, now we have time now. They denied it when it was being developed, so they lost out. The team got busy, and now it's back. That's That's honestly, I think, the easiest answer. I think the easiest answer is close to that. I don't really think that makes sense because this game has still been getting updates and uh, has been getting expansions. That's my point. Support, (laughs) uh, even when 16 was being developed. But more importantly, I think the better takeaway from you is that this game was already in the, okay, we're going to have to work on creating a newer version of this game that leverages next gen consoles and the advancement uh, advancements in PC uh, side of things. And while we're already doing that, it's a perfect time to loop in Xbox once again, because really Xbox is not a whole new version of the game. It's just porting the PS4 version. And since Xbox and PlayStation last gen and this gen are very similar and they're just more or less hyper modified, um, PC, you know, with the x86 architecture, I I think if anything, the the Occam's razor of it is that they were already working on a new version of the game that was going to leverage this, and it's just a good time for Xbox to come in. Um, that would be the only reasonable excuse that they could give, but I still think there's a question of why now. Um, but who knows? We also don't know how long it's been being worked on. So I agree with you that it's hard to say whether this is a harbinger or not. It's. I know you seem to think it's clearly not, but I think it's. I don't think it's clearly not, but I also just don't think it clearly is. I think yeah. it's in this vague period to where until we hear the next big game, uh, which would be whatever they announce after sixteen, since Forspoken and sixteen were the two big PlayStation exclusives, and then seven remake is a PlayStation exclusive. We know, um, or you know, Rebirth. The next game that they announce is going to be the question of, okay, well, then is it only happening because Sony money had it? So maybe the next actual good game to check is like a double-A game. Yeah. Maybe it is Pixel Remasters. Maybe it is, you know what I mean? Like yeah, if, I, if Pixel Remasters come to Xbox, then maybe. Maybe yeah, maybe we're on to something. Like I think the one thing I also would say is that there's not that many Final Fantasy games trapped on PS5. <laughs> there's There's not. Three. There's... There's more Square Enix games trapped on PlayStation. Yeah. Be, but you can play what six through fifteen on Xbox. And I guess not eleven. Six. You can play seven though. That's um, it. Yeah. You can play seven. Yeah, you can play seven. Well, the ones eight, that are not in the Pixel Remaster. 10, 10 to 12, 13. 13 not, to 13 three. Not 12. Oh, 12. Yeah, I was thinking eleven. You can't play eleven. But you can't play eleven. The you can't play yeah, on so, three sixty. Yeah. I assume. <laughs> but yeah, so most of them are there. So again, it's like you said, we won't know. But do you think this uh, makes Sony sweat a little bit and they buy Square Enix now? I thought about that. Does Square Enix really want to get bought? Which the way they talked about why they sold off their Western developers sounds a lot like they are preparing for the potential of, mm-hmm. like, hey, if the opportunity arises, we'll be ready. And it almost makes you wonder: Was this a play on Square Enix's part to be like, "Yeah, we'll get your, we'll get our game on the Xbox," just to put pressure on somebody to be like, "Look at this, yeah. somebody else." I don't really know if I buy that, but I could see that being a play. And yeah. in the reality of business, if you want something to happen, but the, the, then the question has to become: Why do you think Square wants to be bought? And there might be a genuine answer. 
I don't have an immediate one that comes to mind, but that would be the question because it only matters if Square has a reason to want to be bought. Then they don't really care if it's PlayStation or whoever. In all honesty, they don't have a foot in the race if all they're wanting to do is be bought. PlayStation may seem one of the easiest candidates, but a Tencent or a NetEase or anybody could step in. Yeah, I guess I to me, it's it, less about... It sounds weird, but it's less about if they want to be bought and if Sony's willing to pony up to buy them. Right? So do you think them selling is less contingent on the fact that they want to be sold and more contingent on Sony coming to them and saying... Look, we just want to go ahead and make this official. We already work with you so closely. Let's just seal the deal. Well, it's kind of, it would kind of be, I guess this scenario would kind of be exactly what happened with Bethesda, where if Jim Ryan's like, oh, we might lose exclusivity to Final Fantasy and that's a big pillar of our, of our future, we can't do that because Microsoft is sniffing around. Okay, we'll just, we'll just merge. Yeah, it's possible. I could see that. Yeah. That's where I come from on it because until this, I, to me, it was a lot of like, why would you buy Square Enix? You already, you already basically own them, you know. For all intents and purposes, the games are only coming to your console and Nintendo's console, which doesn't really fight with you. And so, why well, and are you, you going to spend? You get the AAA output, you, right? You may not get all the AA and more indie style games, but you always get the AAA output. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think Sony would just be like, yeah, keep doing that. Just don't put them on Xbox. I don't care if they're on Nintendo, but we want. Harvest Stella. We want the triangle strategy, but you can keep publishing them there. So to me, it would be more of a, we're not letting you get this. We're buying it kind yeah. of thing. I just think the question, and, and for me, when I think about it really and truthfully is, is it cheaper for Sony to shell out enough money to square per game to keep them exclusive? than it would be to buy and take on the financial risk of the other parts of Square rather than just the AAA. Or, because you got to think about this way, Square right now is, they're not independent, but they're not owned by anybody other than shareholders. And so when you look at it from a shareholder point of view, if they're getting big money by just being like, yeah, we'll let you pay us a lot of money to keep our games exclusive to your console and you can pay to help market them, then at what point is it, then that they don't want they won't mess with Microsoft too much because the easy aspect of being able to have Sony in the bag on the AAA side to help ease the risk level of AAA is, is that cheaper for Sony on their side that they'd want to keep doing it that way or would it be cheaper to be like yeah we're going to buy you but that also means that now we have to account for the cost of every single game you develop and if it's actually profitable and Square always says their games don't sell enough almost every game it's like well this game underperformed and would Sony view it that way or is this just because of shareholders and Sony still has shareholders so what does that mean there's a lot of questions there that I think are not immediately obvious to answer. Well, um, here's here's my thing, right? Wouldn't that just be like not buying the yearly subscription of PlayStation Plus? What What do you mean? Just so I understand where you're coming from. For every, so they spend, let's say they spend thirty million. That seems like, but let's say it's let's go with thirty million for each Final Fantasy for each exclusive they get. They give Square thirty million dollars. I was going to say 50 mil, so that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. It Let's look like. at the number. Either way. But <laughs> then you look at them, and again, these are all fake numbers. But Square Enix is like, we could be bought for $3 billion. Mm-hmm. 
right? So then, yeah, sure, you get uh, that would be a hundred Final Fantasies, but you're also getting everything else. But you're already getting everything else by nature of them being third party, right? But that's the is that thing. what you're implying? No, what I'm implying is if if your one of your pillars is Final Fantasy, right? You are the home for Final Fantasy. And Xbox is sniffing around, so you continuously keep paying money. And then Phil Spencer's like, oh, well, I'm Microsoft. I can give you $50 million. And so the Sony's like, shit, we'll give you 60, 70, 80, 100. And then at what point do you just go, just buy it? You're spending $17 a month. Just pay the 120. It's cheaper, right? Yeah. That's kind of where I'm thinking about it. At this point, I actually think if uh, Sony bought Square... And a move that may not make people who are on PlayStation side and like the classic idea of exclusivity, I think that what Sony might do is make the AAA output from Square exclusive, and then all of the AA and smaller indie-style games would still hit Nintendo. Oh, I think that's PC. what they should do. I think, And, I, of course, PS Plus, you know, maybe even day and date for some of those yeah. games for PS Plus. It's, it sounds bad, but if I was Sony, I would be buying Square Enix strictly to cut out Microsoft. That's the yeah. only reason to buy them. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, you, I, I, I know people wouldn't love that. I think there are people that want Sony to buy Square Enix so that every Square game is exclusive. And I don't think that makes the most financial sense within Square. I think no. it makes way more sense to be like, yeah, the Ayudin Chronicles and the Triangle Strategies, yeah, they could still hit Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo doesn't truly compete with us in this, in our space. There are AAA games from them, can't even run on switch maybe they might have a chance at running on the rumored you know 2024 later half uh new nintendo console but right now working off what we know it's it's unlikely it may do better but it's still probably going to be behind because that's nintendo's idea you take old technology and find a way to couple it with something that you can make more money off of it with a cheaper you know cheaper footprint to start um yeah, I mean, so, shit. I would even take some of those double A games and be like, "Oh, you want to put this on Game Pass? Sure, pay us." <laughs> like, I wouldn't make. I, I would do exactly that. I'd be like, "Final Fantasy is exclusive. Dragon Quest is exclusive. Foam Stars is exclusive. Whatever their big titles are, and then everything else can go wherever." Like, no, I I, I feel like a game like Harvestella needs to be in as many places as possible because not a lot of people are gonna play Harvestella. So you should maximize that. But Final Fantasy 17 being a PlayStation 6 launch title is a lot more valuable than Harvestella. You know what I mean? So that's how I would keep it. One to one, like exclusives are the big ones, like you said. Then and then you bring in a a, a game that gets money from subs, so that you kind of have a continual right. source of income from them. So that'd be interesting. Yeah, and then Final and you Fantasy let, 18. Yeah, you allow that to remain yeah, multi-platform, of course. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Like a lot of I think that the best option for Sony is again keeping the exclusive they have and leaving Square alone. Just like with Capcom. If they ever bought Capcom or Take Two or any of those places, it's like, yeah, some of these games can be exclusive, but are you really taking away 2K? Right? You're gonna you're gonna poach NBA. That's crazy. You don't do that. But yeah. Grand Theft, even Grand Theft Auto, at that point, I would look at Sony and be like, single player is exclusive, multiplayer is everywhere. Like, <laughs> tons of reasons to do that stuff. So, but you go into a different thing because monetization is different. So I know that there's that, but it goes right back into StarCraft or Starfield, rather, where we're talking about the idea of 
it doesn't make sense to us to put it on one system, but they did. But then a game like Grand Theft Auto, the multiplayer has got recurring money through shark mm-hmm. cards and things like that. So it does make more sense to be in as many places as possible yeah. because it's continual. It, it's making money outside of the initial sell. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an interesting idea. Uh, we shouldn't harp on this too much longer unless you really have one final thing to say, but it is an interesting thought process of what would be the straw that broke the camel's back to tell PlayStation, like, yeah, we, we've got a shitter get off the pot. Mm-hmm. Once they announce the date for Final Fantasy VII Remake on Xbox, they'll buy them and cancel that. <laughs> and then go, yeah, we knew it was there, but we thought, you know, we we thought about how many copies it might sell on Xbox, and it was going to be like $2 million, and we thought <laughs> we could just make that back. <laughs> just keep delaying it into the future. Oh, sorry, we're delaying it two years for polish. Oh, more polish. Oh, and then we all pass away and it's over. We're having a hard time with the SSD speeds. <laughs> <laughs> the Xbox Series S cannot render they, cloud they hire, squeezing through cracks. So They hire the quantum error marketing guy, <laughs> the, the Twitter guy. And they're like, just keep saying whatever you can to make the the to make it seem like the Xbox version's not. It's still coming. We just got to work a little bit more on right, it. Right, exactly. Hire Larian to do it. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> oh, that would be. Oh, man. Sometimes I don't really wish the games industry would be that petty, but it would be kind of funny at moments for the games industry to be that petty. I don't mm-hmm. truly want that in the long term, but the thought process is at least funny. It's enjoyable to think about. I like math. I like the conspiracy theories I've seen about it. I don't know if you saw the tweet, but some guy, one of the Xbox fanboys, tweeted out that's like crazy conspiracy theory that Larian is lying because they don't want to look bad, but Sony paid for exclusivity, so they're just lying about it. Because I guess Larian announced that the game's probably not coming to Xbox until 2024 at least. So yeah, <laughs> he had this mental breakdown. I'm like, good lord, man. Occam's Razor again. The simplest answer is probably the most logical one. Potato, no run, next gen game. Don't know what to tell. <laughs> yeah, no, I still debate, but apparently, from what I was looking at, um, Series S is apparently sold very well yeah. in comparison to the Series X. Uh, not the Series X hadn't done, but it's like of the two, the Series S has done so well that if you were to, if you were to stop the parity clause or make it to where people didn't have to release games on it, because the parity clause is what's keeping it uh, as a mm-hmm. problem, right? Because they can't just drop co-op from, they don't want to drop co-op from all Xbox versions because Series X can do it, but Series S can't, but they can't release on Series S without it because of the parity clause. I don't know. It's interesting to think of, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's a, uh, it's it's when you take the bet that Microsoft did, which is a smart one, very budget, that can play most things in a lower form. Okay, I get it. Uh, but I think in terms of ease of use, my, uh, PlayStation's answer to, will be a, a next-level-up intermediary of where it's the exact same hardware without a disk drive is probably the better option. Um, but I don't know, who knows? I don't we'll, know. We'll learn one of these days. All right, let's see. We got a couple more pieces of news. We have a new PS5 beta that is out uh, for invited players. I am one of them, though I've yet to install that yet. Anyway, uh, the update comes packing tons of general improvements, including, and then Chris nicely linked to PSU.com, so I'm assuming that's PS Universe, a one that shows that there's new accessibility features uh, that you can use, support for compatible Dolby Atmos-enabled audio devices. So if you want 3D audio, it is there. 
Unfortunately, there is still no Dolby Vision HDR support, unlike what Xbox Series X and I think S both have, but at least Series X um, has. So you will not be able to use that sweet, sweet Dolby Vision HDR, but maybe one day. Uh, there are social feature enhancements, like a party UI update for the party screen. Uh, you can now invite a player into a closed party without automatically adding the player to the group or creating a new group. Uh, you can share screen preview, so you, someone can actually see if they want to continue uh, sharing your screen. There's ease of use features, like the ability to search for games in your library. Um, you can now search for games within your game library. Game help improvements, in addition to in-progress activities, you can now see available, previously available, upcoming, and completed activities. Uh, there is support for up to 8 terabyte M.2 SSD drives to expand your limit up above the previous 4 terabyte limit. And to wives everywhere, the joke that has been running across the board is you can turn off the, the fact that your PlayStation beeps whenever it turns on. So when you want to get those late night gaming sessions in, you don't have to worry about potentially waking your wife up with the <laughs> So that about covers that. I will be curious to see, you know, one of the things that's been happening a lot with the betas is that the beta has a lot of features and then the full release has more features that they did mm-hmm. not include in the beta. Part of me hopes that Dolby Vision is one of those like, hey, there you are. We finally have it in there, but we will see. We'll see what else ends up coming along with it. Uh, but that leads us to the last piece of news here, and that is a very short and simple one. Sony has announced that the PS5 has now crossed 40 million units sold. Simple as that. Uh, there is, for anybody who likes knowing the context, there are from sales data that we can see that doesn't paint a completely clear picture as well as what we saw during the FTC hearing um, from Microsoft. It looks like the Xbox Series consoles are around 18 to 20 million, meaning that once again, a new generation, we are seeing a two to one and specifically hardware between PlayStation and Xbox. Xbox does have this new layer of Game Pass being on PC and phones and cloud and all these different things that could mean that there are more people using Xbox as a platform. But as far as hardware speaks, PlayStation is continuing the two to one uh, that we saw them have in the early PS4 days um, that eventually widened even more. So, Chris, any thoughts on that? Um, Good for Sony. I'm, I'm, <laughs> a golf I, clap? Yeah, a little little do do do, little jazz hands or whatever. I, I think it's great for them, but I mean, I don't have too many thoughts. It's, I'm glad people are buying the console, and I'm glad that uh, it will continue funding games that I like to play. I'm with you. All right, guys. Well, that is the end of the news. We're going to go ahead and go into the questions section, which is anywhere we have a question that didn't quite neatly fit into one of the news pieces or something early in the episode, we end up getting to them at the end of the episode. If you want to send question in, remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can always submit your questions down in the comments below. Or if you want to go to social media, again, you can find us on X at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook in the group Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast or click the link in the description below whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services and join the Discord so that you can be part of it. Jehudi MD, one of our longtime listeners, longtime friends, and longtime patrons, asked, what do you guys think, uh, think of games that use other media to expand slash fill in story elements? Do you support it? 
Do you think it's better to stick to games to tell the story? Many have used other media, such as books, to expand on the games, such as Halo, Gears of War, Mass Effect, Resistance, etc. Have you read any of these books? And by extension, I guess we can also ask or state any of the movies or side content, anime or whatever, that we've watched for some of these games, extended media. Chris, Mm -hmm. have you ever dabbled in extended media for game series? And how do you Um, feel about using that? Yeah, I read a lot of the Mass Effect books. Um, those are really good. Um, <laughs> as long as the game story is consistent, I don't care. Like, f- do what you need to do in, in books and stuff. Like, the Mass Effect books, like, gave some details of the world building. But you don't need... I don't remember what happened, and I enjoyed Mass Effect Remaster fine. You know? Um, so I think it's cool, like, if you're into it... Like definitely keep going. Like I'm, I'm reading The Witcher. I know that's not the same thing, but I'm reading those books because um, I liked the world. Like I think if you like the world and you want to see more Halo, read the books. If you want to read more Mass Effect world stuff, read the books. If you know, but it, it, it's hard. It depends. Um, but I think the thing that is nice is that we're not really seeing the MCU Disney Plus problem of you have to watch the peacock twisted metal show to understand the netflix exclusive movie to understand the youtube short to understand twisted metal reboot you know like that I'm, i don't want but i don't mind if there's an ancillary book series that expands the world but doesn't inform mass effect 4 you know yeah yeah i would say that i agree with you anytime that it's truly a, a additive Mm-hmm. And it's something that you can dig into and it chooses to look at something or expand upon something from the game. I don't mind it. I like the idea in principle. I think the problem that you run into is when the story for the game relies on external media to really truly make sense or to fill a gap that the game doesn't want to deal with. And a good mm-hmm. example of that is Final Fantasy fifteen. Uh, there was the Kingsglaive movie, and there was an entire section of the story that they could have at least recapped in the game, and instead <laughs> they left to that. Uh, building the relationship between uh, Ignis and Gladio and Prompto and um, Noctis also was kind of left to that. I did find that I had a better feeling towards them because I chose to watch the Final Fantasy XV Brotherhood anime, which was a free YouTube anime that they came out with, which was really good. Um, And then you also have that example where this is a little different because it's in games, but all the DLCs for like Episode Prompto and Episode Gladiolus and all that, I think the problem that you run into there is that you had to find ways to supplement the in-game story uh, to make it better within the game by having people leave your game. It always makes me think of when Destiny had the grimoire cards in the first game mm-hmm. and a lot of the lore and stuff. You had to leave the game, go <laughs> to a website, log in and read them. And I thought, what a way to tell me to not play your game. Hey, turn it off and go do this other thing. You should never want to tell somebody to leave your game to be able to get more out of it. <laughs> like that yeah. shouldn't be the the way it works. And they thankfully did not do that with Destiny too. Um, all that to say, like Chris said, as with all things, it greatly depends on how tactfully it's being handled. 
And there are really great examples of it. Great examples of it being the Dead Space animated movie that they came out with, uh, which was incredible. I, I really liked it. A lot of the Dead Space side games, which I know are still games, but I think it's you think about expanding the media, uh, the Dead Space mobile game is incredible. I cannot, to this day, I cannot believe that game was a phone game. You can't even play it anymore because phone games have the problem of needing to consistently be updated for new hardware uh, and new versions of Android and iPhones. But that game was an incredible example and it holds up incredibly well today. Uh, and that's just the world we live in. Um, EA have really done that a lot. Um, like you mentioned, there's Mass Effect books. Uh, there was also an animated movie that you could watch for Dante's Inferno, which was incredible. It was so good, super stylistic. So I like it. I'm not super big on books, uh, on reading as an adult. I just I need to make more time for it than I do. But I have read a little bit of Halo because my buddy Blaze has those books and has enjoyed them. So I've never finished any of them, but I've looked at them. Saul also, uh, you know, previous co-host. Uh, Saul read those like crazy and, and loves those and References them all the time. So it can be exciting, but like Chris said, don't make me have to watch four different pieces of media to understand your new one. Mm-hmm. That is not good. We're finding that out very quickly. <laughs> I saw someone the other day talk about the Marvels and how to understand that you have to have watched Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. the Kamala series that they did on that i there was something else i genuinely don't remember but there was a bunch of different yeah wandavision there's a bunch of different pieces that you have to understand in order for the new movie to make sense but you also have to watch the ending of spider-man no way home and see the post-credit scene like there's so much weird stuff yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not my business, so I don't care. I'm not as into Marvel, and that's actually a big reason why, is it feels like homework. It feels like, hey, here's this new thing, but only if you do this. <laughs> and the argument could always be said. You can watch the movie. It's not like the TV physically closes your eyelids or shuts <laughs> off whenever you whenever you go to put on something that you've not watched, the prerequisite stuff to understand. But I think what it comes down to is, Though they're so built into each other that it's a little harder for them to stand on their own. And it's going to be hard to come into the Marvels without feeling like there's a lot of reference and stuff that you're not understanding and you're not getting because of the prerequisites. And much like Final Fantasy XV does, it relies on the fact that it thinks you've watched and witnessed these other things, so it doesn't recap them within the game. And that leaves you with feeling like, I don't know why Noctis is sad that his dad died other than the fact that you're supposed to be sad when your dad dies, but I don't, okay. I never saw that relationship. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. So it's like he could hate his dad for all I know. <laughs> I have no clue. If I did, I did, and what's funny to this day, I've not watched Kingsglaive. It, I bought the version that came with it and I have not watched it, but I watched <laughs> Brotherhood for some stupid fucking reason. Um, you crazy so, dog. All right, Chris, any more that you want to talk about? Or are you good? No, I'm good. All right, next question. Giving it back up to Pork Chops. He says, piggybacking off of the Twisted Metal show and its positive reception, we have been seeing a healthy amount of actually good video game adaptations coming out and more on the horizon, no pun intended. What PlayStation IP slash exclusive title would you like to see adapted? He says, I think an infamous animated series would be awesome. Equally think that a concrete genie movie could be a big hit with kids and even parents. I'm envisioning something like the movie Inside Out from Disney Pixar. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's actually an interesting one. I think Infamous is clearly a good example of uh, being able to get an animated adaptation. But since we're not currently seeing PlayStation go the route of doing animation, they seem a little bull. They seem a little shy because they the last animated thing they did with Ratchet and Clank flopped hard. Dude, didn't they announce like two hundred episodes of that show too? Like something insane. Uh, that one was just the animated movie that corresponded with the PS4 game. And the PS4 game sold incredibly well. And the movie was the exact same thing. Now, they did announce at one point in time that they had intentions to do a Sly Cooper animated series that they even put out a teaser for. And it's never been made. It's never really got off the ground. So I'm not sure what you're talking about. If you figure it out, let me know. Yeah, I'm trying to find it, but I swear they ordered like a ridiculous amount of episodes, made two of them, and then never again. But I'll, I'll look oh. it up and see if I can find it. Ah, that's curiosity, because one of the only other things I can remember PlayStation being involved in was... Um, damn, what was it? I, I just completely forgot the name of it. It was, a, it was on PS Plus, and it was like a superhero show. Do you remember the name? Powers. Of Powers. Yeah, it was. I say I know it's a very simple name. Um, so we'll see. Uh, my answer for that question, ironically, is based on Infamous as well because I think Infamous is ripe for it. Uh, but difference being, I, as someone who doesn't even watch these and have never really gotten into them, though I do understand the appeal because I did like Teen Wolf, which I think is generally the same type of show. I never finished Teen Wolf, but I get the. Hey, it's it says it's about this, but it's really just a it's it's just drama. Like, yeah, you're you're <laughs> like, well, it's about werewolves fighting each other and hunters, and yeah, that's not really a show. It's about drama. Like most of the show is not action; it's teenage drama. Yeah, or I always, I always baby joked, mama drama. I always joked when I was watching uh, the Arrowverse that I was just watching my stories because it was you not are. they're not superhero shows; they're just drama. They're just interpersonal arguments. You They're know. like telenovelas with superheroes. Right. It's like, what if Batman was in high school? Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is because I actually think that that type of show, even if you did an actual, even if you did, and I would be less inclined to watch it if you did this, but even if you wanted to do what they did with The Last of Us and say, let's take the idea behind Infamous 1, and Infamous 2 and Cole's arc and let's turn it into a TV show and we get to see Cole we spend some time with him making a delivery and he's going through we see him running around and do all this crazy stuff he's you're setting up his friendship with Zeke and his relationship with Trish and you're doing all this stuff and at the end of the first episode he goes to deliver that package and you just see an explosion and that's it and I think that setting the show up that way where you do a lot of the action up front and then you leave the rest of the show to have interspersed action mm. but really you're just setting up for a lot of potential drama that you can play off of between characters i think an infamous arrowverse style show would work really well that sounds really cool i don't want to comment on it um <laughs> let me guess is it too close to something that already exists maybe um if i was going to get a playstation ip Infamous is a good answer. Um, I would love an infamous anime. Like, that would be dope as hell. 
See, the fun thing of Infamous is that its core concept is so simple. Conduits exist. So, like, as long as you stick to world lore, you're fine. Then you can just make any conduit who has powers and tell their story. Bam. You got it. It could be Cole, or it can just be fucking Joe Schmo. Right. Exactly. It's the best be anyone. Honestly, you know what a cool setup for that show would be? is like every episode is a new person realizing they have powers um, because they've become a conduit. That would be deep. I would really love that. Because of the way that people like to binge watch TV, I have a feeling that the show would never get the budget to do that. No. But if it ever did, that would be incredibly cool. Yeah. If you gave that, if you really just treated that like a uh, like Love, Death, and Robots – and mm-hmm. just said each one can have its own animation style from hyper, you know, hyper almost photoreal to super artsy and CGI and animation looking. But each one is just following a new conduit and kind of you can one of them can be him finding his powers. The next episode can be one who's been in it for years and him going through the fall of him dying and you know, it, you could do all sorts of things. It's very interesting. Anthology yeah. things are always cool to me. They seldom get done outside of like books to where you can have like little bite-sized things, kind of like the scary stories to tell in the dark idea. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me. I can't think of many. I mean, I would watch a, like a resistance movie. I would watch that. Like a world war of the world style, like huge big budget movie. I'd watch the hell out of that. I would also watch like a Chris Hemsworth and John Bernthal led kill zone movie. Like that seems right there. <laughs> John Bernthal Rico. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not yeah, even telling the same one. You're just an elite squad of going in you 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 were dropped in Helgen and you're going in to assassinate someone. I watched the hell out of that shit. Um even the idea of like mercenaries where you're just playing against people who are doing it for money versus people who are in it for valor and people who are in it for you know national pride and Yeah. You know what uh, is so- a very easy one is SOCOM. You just make a military movie? Yeah. So so my, my other answer to this that I think would be really pretty cool to do is an IP that they're clearly not going to use anywhere else. I think that this is where you bring the Order 1886 back. I was the, just about to say as, that. We as do this a all one the time. hour long form TV. <laughs> I, would, I would watch the hell out of fucking do it. In- Game of Thrones it. Not even that, you, dude. I'm not trying what to. What I mean re- by that is this long form, you know, one yes. hour episodes where you build on the lore and you talk about the vampires and how the lichens are coming in and how this war has been going on and you keep seeing it go through and yeah. Dude, I'm not you, trying to go be ahead. Redu- what's your, what's I'm not your, trying to be re- reductive about the game because I know you like it, but that game is a yeah, movie. Sure. So what I would do is just take that engine and then just make TV shows with it. <laughs> <laughs> That way you don't have to go out and be like, oh, Adrian Brody is playing Galahad, which off the top of my head, fantastic casting for Galahad. I don't hate it. I don't He's love got the it, look. but I don't hate it. Who would be better? Like Christian Bale? No fucking way. Actually, Christoph Waltz? <laughs> <laughs> he could play anybody. Christian Bale is not a bad answer. If you think about him in that new movie where he's uh, where he's with Jamie, uh, Jamie Foxx and what's mm. the other girl? Uh, I think he kind of has a, a feel of it right there. Uh, but Galahad, he's a very specific looking man. You got to be careful. I mean, honestly, the best answer is never going to happen, but it would be Daniel Day-Lewis. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a great one. That would be a great answer, but that man is retired. Also, it'd be great because he, uh, yeah, because he would have been like a. I'm on a super character act here. I'm just gonna become Grayson, and you'll oh, never God. know. <laughs> See, I like that idea. I actually do like the idea of using the engine, but I have to imagine that would take a long time. When I do think that generally part of the reason I think that that's such a good fit is that. There's not a whole lot inherently about the order that would be complicated to do in camera, right? You could do, uh, you, you could do practical lichens, and then you only have to CG the transformation. And you yeah. could even be clever and only do it a few times so that you see it and then have the rest of them happen off screen or with cool camera shots where it's obfuscating it. And I think you get to play off of that. And then you, only, you have to minimum use CG. Like, yeah, you have to fill in gunshots and stuff, but that's not that bad. And I think it'd be a relatively easy show. And just like games like Game uh, or shows like Game of Thrones and stuff where I'm talking about, you have money shots for CG per episode where you're like, this is going to be the big moment, right? We're going to do something big and cool here. And then the rest of the episode is really just going to be a set with lighting and characters talking and having drama because at the end of the day, that's what you want to watch. And, you know, we were talking about Twisted Metal and I think one of the most salient things I took away from Twisted Metal is while I kind of wish there was a little bit more car combat so far, I'm only two episodes <clears> in, but while I kind of wish there was more, at the end of the day the show is interesting because of what happens outside of the cars yes for just being honest or even when it's happening inside the cars when it's pulling up close and giving you character moments inside the car so it's not about the car combat that's just a cherry on top i've got a footlocker um you know what would be good okay here we go sag after strike can't write anything so we do a reality show called Parappa the Rapper <laughs> and you just bring people off the streets to do rap songs. Do you set design and everything? Hell yeah. To make it look like Parappa the Rapper? Uh-huh. But then it's like, because it's a video game, you have to get a little video gamey. So they, they're doing the rap of the song, but they also have to like hit buttons on the side to yeah. match the words they're doing. That I think would be good. What was that? Uh, the tester? Yeah. I was going to say, what was that PlayStation reality show they did? It was the tester. God, looking back on that, such a bad idea. I've heard it mentioned on other podcasts, but like, could you imagine now being like, hey, you want to QA test video games for $10 an hour? Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I don't know how much they make, but it's an interesting setup for a show at the very least. You know, it's yeah. like, hey, you want to break into the games industry? Here's your way. Right. Compete in this set of challenges yeah hell man. just license nickelodeon double dare that's all i care about and make it uncharted Wild times uh also lost old side got new gameplay i didn't really mention that in the news but uh i did mention it whenever we went out to uh, question collect um i'm pretty sure the ps4 version is not going to come i don't know if you've seen that game but uh so a little bit if it comes to PS4, it's going to be pushing the PS4. You're going to have that jet engine sound going. Uh, but I think they're just going to give up on uh, doing PS4 and let it be PS5. It looks very good. I'm uh, very excited about that. Still coming next year, so it's still a hot zero on my on my Metacritic draft, <laughs> but I'll take it for what it is. All right, Chris, any other quick pitches for your PlayStation IP to TV that you have? Or no. You no. Make a real Max Payne movie. I got one more idea. It's very simple. Do you remember how Jack and Daxter went from like the first game being really cartoony and you can still see the like influence of like 
Crash Bandicoot era mm-hmm. Naughty Dog in it. And then Jack 2 is like suddenly grimdark. And then Jack 3 is like, I'm buff and ripped and I'm holding big guns. So my idea, have you ever seen Warzone? Have you ever seen Punisher Warzone? Mm, yes. Awesome movie. Super cool. Yeah. Give me that style, over-the-top, gore-fest movie, Jack and Daxter's World. Let's okay. go, baby. Hear me out. Jack and Daxter. Jack played by Tom Holland. <laughs> Daxter voiced by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Peter Dinklage. <laughs> just because it would be so out of character for Daxter to just be super dry. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I, I like don't Eddie know, Murphy because then you just <laughs> draw on on Donkey. Donkey, yeah. yeah. And Mike Myers can make an appearance as like one of the bosses or something. Yeah, that'd be good. I'm into that, that one. Good. I would watch that as like a slapstick comedy. He'd be like the village chieftain dude that has like the. <laughs> I, I actually know what his role is. I can't remember, but he has like the big glass monocle and he's kind of short and fat. I think yeah. give him like a Shrek like accent. You can pull it off. I'm into it. Be fun. All right, that was our final question. Before we move into the sexiest part of the show, and this week, it is sexy. So, as always, if you are not one to stick around for Velvet's Corner, where we take a ridiculous gaming-oriented question and roll with it and have some fun, uh, if this is your out, then we will see you next week. We hope you had a good one. If you were new to the show, uh, stick around. See if you like Velvet's Corner. If it's not for you, you know you have an easy way out. Uh, What's our community's take for this week, Chris? Are we going to let pork chops keep going and see who wants uh, what from a PlayStation IP? No, because once he hits four, we got to rename the segment. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pork <don't> chops we... <laughs> corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I honestly, I think give it to Robert Phillips. Do you think that this? Uh, Microsoft thing is going to because uh, is it a harbinger of things to come? Mm, okay, I got you. Do you think this means that we'll start seeing more Xbox uh, support from Final Fantasy specifically? Since that is the the question that is on everyone's mind. All right, gotcha. So remember, if you want to check out the show and follow us and be involved, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell if you want to catch every single thing we put out, including the card openings I'm doing, if that's your bag. If not, then I don't blame you. Don't check it out. Uh, <clears> if <throat> you have a question or comment or just want to talk to us about anything we're talking about in the show, let us know down in the comments below. If you're listening on podcast services, remember to rate and or review the show. Let us know what you have going on. And follow us on social media, the platforms formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, uh, at Triangle SQRD, PlayStation podcast group on Facebook, and then, of course, the Discord down in the description. I said something weird there. I don't know what I, I got. I stumbled up somewhere. I don't care to find out where. So, yeah, come join the Discord. Great. You want to hear something interesting? <laughs> like Blackheart recently did. Welcome. Yeah, What's welcome. Up, I just got a notification. And it yes. says, opening my childhood with Legend of Blue Eyes 25th Anniversary Booster Box, Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG. So congratulations. You, My phone notified me about your video. You've made As a it recommended video or did you subscribe? I, I definitely subscribed. No, I didn't. So <laughs> I don't know, that, that, that's the test, though, right? So look, we're getting somewhere. To be fair, Chris, you've been watching them, so now your I phone have. thinks you love. You do like Yu-Gi-Oh. For anyone that doesn't know, Chris came down for two days, spent like four hundred dollars on Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Two fifty. Still okay, bad. Chris, listen, 
as time goes on, the number has to increase. Do you not know how stories work? You're right. I did spend six hundred dollars. Remember, on you caught you, you caught a catfish that was this big, and then two <laughs> weeks later, it was this big, and then like a month later, well, this thing was fucking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good, good so point. yeah, I Chris came down. He spent a bunch of money on uh, on Yu Gi Oh, got addicted, and then went back home to where he knows no one who plays, and has had to just sit there and stew in the fact that he loves the game he can't play. Correct. The biggest motivation to move to Texas is to play Yu Gi Oh. That'll be it. on my deathbed. I'll tell my wife. I just wanted to play Yu-Gi-Oh in Texas and then just pass away. <laughs> As you're clutching your heart, go, send Brett, my access code talker. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you don't have a kid by the time you pass and I'm still kicking, I better I, the Yu-Gi-Oh cards better come to me. Yeah? I mean, I got you into it. I feel like that seems fair. That's fair. Do you want the Yu-Gi-Oh or do you just want continued access to my PSN account? <laughs> <laughs> You can choose one in the will. That's fair. But what if you do have a kid? Do I still get a choice of one? Dude, I'm going to be honest with you. If I do have a kid, you probably lose an access to my account in 15 years. So That's probably about right. This podcast is going to have to come to an end. We can't afford to do it anymore. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go ahead and delay it no further and move in to the ever-so-sexy... As Chris edges, I bring to you, Chris, a sexy question. So he says, since you said last week my questions haven't been sexy enough, that wasn't a complaint. It was just more of a note. He says, I thought I'd spice it up this week. This is that's that was the thing he listened to. He didn't he didn't fucking come back next week with the Velvet, this is the question you need to ask next week. Didn't ask that question, but he noticed something I don't know that either of us actually said. Okay. Exactly. All right, pal. Exactly. So now we'll never figure out which video game characters will be in Jersey Shore. I actually did research on that. So (laughs) I'm kind of salty that he didn't do it. Well, Chris, keep that tucked away in your pocket of pockets, okay? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to think about it when I do my GTL. So I want you to rank the PlayStation first party male protagonists by who would probably have the best to worst O face. Uh, For anybody who doesn't know, it's your orgasm face. What do you look like when you're you're letting loose? (laughs) (laughs) When there's a fire and you're spraying the hose. When you're hawking dust. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when you're spitting out cobwebs. What what does it look like? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's uh, sully spider-man spider-man <laughs> comes whatever speaking of Spider-Man. speaking of sully sully and speaking of spider-man and sully sully would make an excellent j jonah jameson <laughs> okay <laughs> that would but, actually have been funny if in spider-man j jonah jameson had the model of sully <laughs> of sully that'd be so good all right so there's a extra rules here the amount of characters you choose to include is up to you. Okay. As are the parameters for what makes something best to worst, <clears throat> best or worst. The only stipulation is one that you must do a demonstra- demonstration of each face while the other person describes it. So okay. first thing to figure out, Chris, 
How many are we going to put in this list? Three. Three. I'm each. fair. That, that, three each. Yes, each. How about we just do a four combined five? It's gotta, four. It's got to be an even number. All right. So we're going to do a combined four. Yes, combined four. All right. So I have the first one that came to mind, and I'm struggling on whether <laughs> I consider this to be the best or the worst. I think I'm going to go best. Okay. But I don't know if you actually know the reference as to what I'm using as to why I imagine this. Did you play Resistance 2? No. Didn't think so. At the end of Resistance 2, Nathan Hill, <laughs> our protagonist from Resistance 1 and 2, is, I, I hate to tell you, this is a spoiler for a, a 2009 video game. Uh, 2008, maybe? Either way, Old I hate to tell you, game. I'm... I'm going to spoil it at this point. It's still a great game and you should still play it. Uh, but Nathan Hill is his ability to withstand the Chimera virus that has gone on for so long. Cause he, the whole, uh, you know, the whole axis of the game is that Nathan Hill didn't convert whenever he should have. He, he had, you know, got attacked by them and went through and should have converted. And for some reason he didn't, um, so they used his blood to create antibodies to help people become immune to it. But he himself eventually succumbed to it years down the line. So with that in mind, he's looking up very end of the game. He's brought this spaceship down. He's looking up at the sky. There's this like red kind of mist across the sky. It's like, you know, glowing that red hue. And He's looking at this like planet-shaped thing, which you assume has something to do with Chimera, and he goes, it's beautiful. And I use that gif all the time because I love it. And he has like this weird stacked voice thing where it's like a Chimera voice and his actual voice actor kind of on top of each other. Anyway, the face he makes, so Chris, since I'm the one putting this out, the stipulation is, is that you have to do a demonstration while I describe it. And then I, too, will have to do one while you describe one. So... Okay. Do me a favor, Chris. Look to the corner of your ceiling up from where you are right now. All right. Now give yourself a thin open mouth smile. Okay. Now make your eyes look a little dreamy, like you're wistful for what's coming and it's so beautiful for you. Okay. All right. And now say, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And there you go. That's Nathan Drake's O face. No, no, Nathan okay. Drake's. I'm sorry, <laughs> Nathan. Nathan Hale. Nathan Hale's O face. Um, so now that you've been painted a word picture, you mm. still don't actually have reference. But since you've been painted a word a word picture here, where are you feeling? How did that feel to you? Did that feel best or worst? Felt a little alien. Okay. Um, so is that it, go is that worse. good or bad? I would go worse. Go worse. Yeah, because I. Th- think if you did that in bed truly the woman would think you're a serial killer so I mean, that is fair going but i i guess i would lines. say we're we're figuring out what's best or worst right mm-hmm. so you're saying it should maybe be based off of how the woman feels in this situation or man depending on who we choose. Well, she's the one who's looking um, at it or him i guess but we're also saying that we're having a look at it in this scenario right? we're seeing it yeah. So which one is most pleasant for us to look I'm at? I'm going to say the way my face felt worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let this go to the absolute worst spot. I'm going to go for right now. I'm I'll willing grant to let you this three. sit. 
three. Yeah. Yeah. And then we may we may move it around as we continue to create news. So since I've had my chance, Chris, it is your go. <clears throat> and if you note, he does say first party male protagonist. So it, it doesn't okay. need to be a first party game. All right. So um, I would I imagine want- second party probably works here too, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would think realistically. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, so all you're going to do is look into the camera. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Close okay. your eyes. Be completely serious. Actually, a little bit of a frown. And then just go. <clears throat> That's Kratos. <laughs> <laughs> Man. (laughs) All right. All right. I got to give it to you. Oh, man. Oh, do you think Faye just loved that? Do you think Faye was like, oh, yes. That. (laughs) Oh, you have shivered my timbers, Kratos. Like she saw him like clawing through the forest hurt. After, you know, mm-hmm. his events in God of War 3. And she looked at him and he looked up at her and he gave her his patent. And she was like, can you imagine what that man looks like when he orgasms? And she's yeah. like, come come home. Come with me. Oh, <laughs> You're the, the man same. of prophecy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to have okay. your child. It's a stake. Um, okay. Okay. So true, we've done this now. Here we run into. Where does this rank? Because Honestly, if we're if two. we're still looking this off of what the woman wants to see, I don't feel like this is the best that she can no, get. but I think but it's not thing, bad. Yeah, but I think the thing with Kratos is depending on the grunt is like how much pleasure he experienced, right? So she would know. Okay, he went. Mm. He was satisfied. He went. Mm. <laughs> he was very happy. He went. Uh. Not happy, you know? So so you think the basis of it's based on how informative it is? Yeah, exactly. Because, like, I don't know. Not every guy is in the girl like, oh, 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 oh yes. Like, that's not most men, I don't think. Um, <laughs> now I got to find a... <laughs> gonna find the protagonist, first party male protagonist that that's going to be. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> this doesn't technically qualify, but I think it has to. Uh-huh. But it's fine. Right now, let's figure out Kratos. So I think right now, let's call this a two. Okay. And then we'll 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 let the puzzle pieces move as we figure the rest of them out. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right. fair? I'm into it. Okay. <coughs> My next submission to you. Okay. Fuck <laughs> me. If you will allow me the technicality, I would like to use Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> He that may is, not be a first party character, I, but at one point in time, he was synonymous with PlayStation. I, I, I think that I don't think that counts. He is quite literally owned by your competitor. It's the opposite <laughs> of a first party. <laughs> it is never party. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I guess the new Crash game. <laughs> yeah, the one that just, happened before the merger. <laughs> that ruins everything. That is probably the most funny and deranged and probably the number four slot, yeah. but in a great way uh, of O-Face. Wiggity, 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 wiggity. You think about all the great death animations from Crash Bandicoot. 
and just how much you have to work with. He's such an animated character that the, maybe the only crashed character that'd be worse to have as O Face is to be like Ripper Roo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you were doing it, right. I might have let you have it. All right. So since we're not going to be able to use that one, Nathan Drake just seems too level-headed. Yeah, it's just a dude too coming. Easy. I don't want to talk He's about <laughs> that. <laughs> it's just a grown man having sex. <laughs> okay, that's fair. All right. So we go back to... There's some uncomfortable ones you can come into play here. Um. Jack and Daxter seems to fit the Crash Bandicoot if you think Ew, about him from like the that. first game. Jack. I don't like the conversation we're having. And then you said, and then Daxter Jack and Daxter is there by <laughs> yucky. <laughs> Look, as Jack is coming, just Daxter's over there at his side. Like, come on, Jack. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> Faster, girl. Don't you know him at all? <laughs> Stroke the shaft. Come on. We got to get out there and collect nuts and bolts. You collect your nut in the building. <laughs> Don't you know what he likes? Move. I've got this. <laughs> so, all right. Give me a second. I, I, Jack may be my answer, and I have to think through. Oh, my God. I've got it. That was your O face. <laughs> you re- <gasps> okay. Oh, God. Yeah, with my oh, my God face. Right? Exactly. All right. Hear me out. Uh-huh. Sir Daniel Fortesque. Fortescue. I I can't actually remember how you pronounce his name. From Medieval. All right. Chris, look at the camera. Raise one eyebrow. If you can. And then just dangle your jaw like you have no skin around your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You just did it. (laughs) Okay. All right. So completely ignoring the fact that right now we have to understand how a man who has no flesh had an instrument by which to orgasm. Hey man, it's called a boner. (laughs) Fair. Do you think, do you think things rubbing on his bones feels good? If he can get hurt in the game, we have to imagine that he feels the bone, right? The bone getting hit. So will a bone be like getting smoothed over? Could that feel good? In the world of medieval? Probably. Okay. Just suck the marrow out of it. <laughs> so, Chris, now now we have to go through the thing where you think about the way you felt doing that. And you think about how useful, how informative it is to the girl or uh-huh. man or whoever. How informative it is to the lover. And I, whether I or not mine. that lover would like to see it. Last. <laughs> Straight up four. dead last. Yeah, four. Dead last. Strong Okay. Four. Like I'd almost, one more. I'd almost actually rather add one than even put it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> that seemed like I landed on a good one for worst. So right yeah. now, four makes sense. Okay, so here's the thing. We have one more to s- select, and we have one more slot that's open. But just because you put this in here does not mean that it automatically defaults to one. So we got some room to rearrange here. This is you our current working order. PlayStation tier list of Go faces. Yes. So, give Maybe me your Drake best. Wins by default. Um, <laughs> okay. So, pretend you're holding a cigar because I'm clearly doing Sully. Um, pretend you're holding a cigar. Okay. 
not up to your mouth though just holding it all right like this okay oh actually can um, i have it like in my mouth like you could try you know, but yeah, I like don't, his, like it might fall is, out that's the problem okay fair enough I, i'll hold it um so you're i just like it. to imagine that Sully would be a man that would have both hands he's like he's older so he needs to, he needs the extra support fair 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 um, so I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna have it in my teeth all right but I would imagine the hooker in church is probably doing a lot of the work. Um, okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll, the hand comes back up. Let's go. There we go. Um, so I want you to kind of look up a little bit and then frown. Start bawling. <laughs> Sully. <laughs> why is Sully crying? Did he I, just get dunked on? Because that's yeah, why James I, is crying. I think he's just... It's a Froggy Fresh reference for everybody. <laughs> Anytime you're having a bad day, throw on some Froggy Fresh. Your mood will completely change. Oh, God. <laughs> Go I'm just so mad at us right now. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sam Hines, we won't be invited to Creator Class 3. Oh! <laughs> Brett versus Chris, Creator Class 3. I'm in. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I went with that because I felt like Sully is a very confident man. But I feel like when... Um, push comes to hump he does not have the confidence he portrays so you think he's a man that becomes he, he lets himself be vulnerable when he's at his most vulnerable i have to imagine see my thing is i think sully lost his true love sometime before the first game like before he even met drake like his wife passed Mm. So or the girl he wanted to be his wife so he never he, even got to marry her yeah. exactly never even had the fruit of her loins and whenever he comes, he thinks about her and cries because she's dead. I could see that. Yeah. He's a damaged man. He is a damaged man. And that's why he's so good at helping, you know, Elena and Nate bring themselves back together because he knows what he had and what he lost. Right. And he knows what they could have and what they could lose. Exactly. So you understand me exactly. Here's the problem with that. Okay. That is one of the worst faces I have ever seen. So by mm-hmm. default, I feel like. It's not as bad as Daniel Fortescue. Yeah, I feel like uh, this is three, and then the two other ones just bump up one. So Kratos, by default, is best? Yes, I think so. So, okay, our scale from worst to best is Daniel Fortescue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sully. Yep. Nathan Hale. Uh-huh. Kratos. Yeah. Yeah, I think if we're talking, our list is, like, pleasurable. If it's funny, it's... Just straight up flipped. You know what, Chris? Yeah. To your point here, of all of the characters that we just talked about, only one of them has had a child and more than once. So there's got to be something these girls are liking about Kratos' O-Face. Yeah, it's probably his 18-pack and his gigantic dick. (laughs) His his gigantic olive-colored dick. There is no chance. Do you think the ashes hit his dick? Because wouldn't that ruin sex every single time? You're just thinking, like, I'm about to shove my wife and daughter's ashes into this other car. <laughs> Do you think, how did Kratos even have sex? How did Atreus come about? Wouldn't it become muddy at that point? Did he have to, hold on. And his wife knew, Faye knew. Yeah. Right? 
Now, you can talk about how technically the gods knew everything too, but the gods are depraved in the first three games anyway, first five games. Um, So him banging all the gods and hookers and stuff, like they're just doing what they do. But Faye is like a potential love interest and she knows everything about him and she knows that he did this, right? And she was just like, yeah, slap them ashes up in me, buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kratos must really know how to charm a woman or like you said, it's that 18 pack and that 18 inch you know, slobber knob, just fucking I, straight up 18 inches seems small. <laughs> do you think, so what, do you think Kratos is just fucking hanging past the knee? We saw this man wear a skirt or a skirt, I guess, technically a Greek skirt, an Athens skirt. Do you think he just tucked? Yeah, I would have to think he tucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would also argue that he doesn't tuck, he wraps. So <laughs> he just, he treats it like the the Dragon Ball Z Saiyan tail. He just ties it around his waist. Yeah, that's where he puts the axe. <laughs> Slots it that's in where his it's cock. hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like old and leathery. Oh, 100%, at this point, yeah. so you don't even know. You don't even notice. You're just like, yeah, it's just a leather tool belt. Like, have you ever seen <laughs> the classic movie starring Jennifer Lopez, uh, Anaconda? Yes, yeah. that it's that size. Mm. Do you think that his penis doesn't want none unless he got Bunsen? A hundred percent. I mean, he's he smashed some girls. I mean, he smashed some real pieces. Aphrodite, mm-hmm. right? God of War three, looking good. Yeah, looking real good. Not only this, he goes and smashes Aphrodite, and then goes back to her husband and kills her husband. Yeah, he's like, hey, bro. Not only did I smash your bitch, also. <laughs> I got gods doesn't, to kill. Doesn't he nail the the woman that he ends up using as like a a block to hold the door open? I don't think he does do anything with her. You're talking no. about in three, whenever he like pulls the door and then like wedges it so it'll pull her up and then keep it from going back so he, yes. can, he can walk through the door. Yeah, that is an incredible scene. Oh, yeah. It's insane. Dude, people can say what they want to. The first <laughs> God of War games are all great. They are yeah. fantastic games and they have some of the craziest shit I've ever seen in games in them. They're still really good isn't kratos like a wild character to put on like a redemption tour oh yeah but it also (laughs) i think it works because of that because here's the thing while everyone wants to pretend that kratos was only ever a one note character it's not true the real reason his redemption arc works is because when everybody takes a second to really be honest with themselves they know that kratos has had some really heartwarming moments even in the games where he was also equally a monster. He had the moment where he was, uh, you know, he had the moment where he had to push Calliope away from him in order to save the world because it was going to collapse in, which is an incredible moment. I think they handle it really well. He has, um, everything that happens in three where he has, uh, he, he views Calliope, uh, or he rather views Pandora as Calliope and looks at what he lost in his daughter and how he doesn't want someone else to lose that again. I think you have the moment in the first game where he, uh, in his mind, is hugging his wife and daughter while he's fighting and he's having to use that to heal in the dream state. I mm-hmm. just think that game has got a lot of very good moments. And yeah, that's you know juxtaposed on the flip side of seeing him be a complete monster, but that's because the game highlights what he lost and why he's ended up the way he's ended up. Yeah, so Chris yeah, it's crazy, but it works because of that. I would agree. I think if you like tried to put Sweet Tooth on a redemption arc right now, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" I'd take that. It's not. It's not impossible, but I think it'd be more of what people thought Kratos was. 
I think just that that redemption arc has to end with him going back to the way he was. <laughs> it's a reverse redemption arc of him getting worse the whole time. <laughs> Kratos or uh, Sweet Tooth would have been an underrated pick for this whole thing, but I didn't want to have you light your hair on fire. I considered here's it. the problem. He wears a mask. So unless he takes it off, his O face is just clown teeth. <laughs> There's not a surprise in that. Like it, it is terrible to, have to be mid orgasm and just look up and see a stoic, unchanging clown mask. Just pouring you know. sweat all over you. Mm-hmm. Just buckets of sweat. Samoa yeah. Joe just. Oh golly, that was vile. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, I think without further ado, we can wrap up what has been another successful. Velvet's Corner. All right. We look forward to seeing what you got for us next week, Velvet. But until then, quick reminder, if you want to support the show by heading over to patreon.com slash nartech, you can. And you can join all the great people that we love to shout out at the end of our episodes and throughout the episode anytime we talk about them. This show is made possible because of you, uh, and we are so grateful that your support allows us to have everyone else who maybe doesn't have the means or the ability to support to still be able to enjoy this show free of charge. So, without further ado, as we wrap up the show, we want to thank our patrons, Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Easton328, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Sanarud. Thanks to each and every one of you. We'll see you next week. Peace.